brought to you by Chill Fit Cryo. Are you suffering from sports injuries, chronic pain, sleep disorders, or depression? Are you willing to try something that only requires three minutes of your time? Then you need to get some cryotherapy from Chill Fit Cryo in your life. Our friends at Chill Fit Cryo in Tempe, Arizona have been helping people with these issues for over 10 years. I've actually been seeing them for over five years to help me with injury prevention and rapid injury repair. When I tore cartilage in my ribs before a pajama wrestling tournament, Paul and his team got me back on the mat as quickly as possible. Uh, my drugs of choice are full body cryo and the cryo zone. Chillfit Cryo has allowed me to sleep better due to my shift work and also recover faster from workouts. Some of the benefits of cryotherapy include reduced inflammation and flushing toxins from the body, increased blood circulation and increased energy, improved sleep quality, targeted rapid injury repair, decreased fatigue and soreness, and a bunch of other things. Chillfit Cryo, recover, reset, restore. They're located on University and the 101 in Tempe. You can find more information about them at their website and on Instagram at chillfitcryo.com. That's C-H-I-L-L-F-I-T-C-R-Y-O. Chillfit Cryo. Recover, reset, restore. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Make the Difference Podcast. As always, my co-host, life partner, whatever you want to call it, Chris Stewart's in the studio. Life partner, I like it. Yeah, and then uh, our guys from Ford Bowl Media. Today we have the other gentleman, the smarter one, Chris. <laughs> way better looking. Yeah, way better looking. Beard is much more groomed than, uh, than, uh, than Brian's. And uh, just generally a better guy. So sorry, Brian. <laughs> so, and then today's uh, guest is actually someone that I wanted um, to get on for a while. It's my sister. Uh, my sister is one of my heroes uh, just because of all the adversity uh, she's faced along her life. She's turned out to be um, an amazing woman, mother, uh, wife, friend. Um, I think you guys have heard me say it before, but... Um, she refers to me as the sister that she never had. Um, we talk often. Um, we've recently lost our mother. Um, it will be three weeks tomorrow. Um, we were kind of the ones that were on the front line. And she was on the front line more than, more than me. Um, at one point, my mom was going to move in with me. Um, at the last second, she decided to move in with my sister. Um, so sister drew the short straw on that one. And my sister, in the last year and a half, has been um, my mother's caregiver. Um, she's been the one there feeding, dressing, um, giving up medications. I don't want to leave out Darren, um, who is uh, her husband and my brother-in-law. He was right there with her as well. Um, at the very end, we were all kind of doing shifts with mom. Um, just, a, just a crazy time. So today's episode is going to be about my sister, as well as the grieving process, um, we said before we would not shy away from talking and making things different and helping other people out. This is not comfortable for me. It is not comfortable for her. We shared text this morning about, are you ready? She said, no. I said, me too. So um, it's just going to be one of those episodes that will be emotional for both of us. But we, we thought it would be um, helpful for other people to hear. Um, everything's fresh for us. So um, we didn't want to miss the opportunity to do it. So without further ado, my sister, Andrea Daniels. Thank you. I've got on my <laughs> waterproof mascara for today, especially. <laughs> so um, I'm Andrea, and I know that Brandon had asked to give a brief 
introduction about who I am. Well, not brief. No, not, no. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we Lengthy. had all kinds of tape. Yeah, okay. yeah, Perfect. All kinds of time. So I am the oldest of three. Um, Brandon is the baby. And he, um, I love him to death. <laughs> we have tons of like kids stories. Um, now we have a, a really, really good solid um, adult story that has just kind of solidified and bonded us. Um, I had wrote him during the process that we've always been close, but this definitely made us grow closer together as siblings. So I'm not sure. Where do you want me to start? Uh, born. What, what year were you born in? And uh, born I was and born in 1969. Yes, I am over 50. My mom came to the United States with me when she was seven months pregnant. So conceived in Manila, um, came here, ra born in Phoenix, um, moved to Tempe, our first house, I think when I was five did kindergarten. Um, I was pretty lucky that I had same household, or I had the same home from elementary school, junior high. Um, high school is when it kind of got interesting for me, Well, Were you in high school when, when I thought you're, how old were you when parents got divorced? Uh, separated when we were, ten, when I was 10, which okay. would have made you four, and di their divorce, they had a four-year, um, Cassidy Battle. They finalized their divorce when I was 14, so you'd been 10. I thought I was six. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. If, no, I'm you wrong brother. Yeah. You would have been eight. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. There's one in the middle. Yeah, our brother Fred. Our yeah, brother so Fred. Brandon no, and I sorry. are six years apart. My brother Fred and I are only two years apart. Yes. So we're pretty close in age. Um, yeah, so we were all pretty much in the same house towards... I just, like, I talked to briefly on, on my story about how, like, the divorce process went. Like, you were older, and I don't think we've ever talked about this, but, like, I just remember getting shitty milkshakes and throwing airplanes off that stupid building and then not <laughs> really knowing what, you remember that? I do. So we had the court um, appointed a child psychologist for us to go to. Um, loved him. It was a man. Right? But yeah, yeah. Yeah. Old I was dude, a, right? Yeah, super old. But that was his thing is he would have us throw paper airplanes. Uh, my parents continued to keep me on his services till I think I was about 16. And he finally said, please go back and tell your parents that you are normal and to quit coming. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> You're certified normal. Yes. I was like, yes. I went back. I'm not going back anymore. He says, I'm fine. So... Yeah, I think maybe the first part of grief probably came just probably in the fact that our parents divorced relatively young. I've always said that um, divorce has definitely left an impact on, especially for you and I, because I was not raised around Brandon. I was raised with my middle brother, Fred, more than I was with Brandon, because again, I moved away from mom when I was 14, which would have put you right at eight? Right at eight. Yeah. yeah. So Brandon and I have not lived together. We didn't grow up together. He was eight. I was 14. She did kidnap me one time. Please, <laughs> please tell this story. Oh, yeah. Yes. Really? So Brandon, I've always been pretty <laughs> protective of him. And I think I was eight and I ran away from home. And I loved my grandma dearly and spent all my summers, all my breaks with her. Anytime I was sick, I'd go to my grandma. So that's where I was going to my little safe haven. 
So I put Brandon on my bicycle, and at the time we lived at Rural and Guadalupe. Pretty much. My grandmother lives on Central and Broadway. Yeah, like, oh, th- that's a legit uh, trip. Oh, <laughs> legit. Montezuma and uh, and Broadway, basically. Wow. Yeah. So I put Brandon on my handlebars. Made it was summertime. I remember it was warm, packed water. I just put him in a diaper because I didn't want him to overheat. And I made it almost. Um, I rode down, I think, it, is it Rural Road? That no, it went down Baseline. Baseline, okay, yes. And that's back when everything was farms. Yeah, farm, yeah. flower farms, everything. Yep. I rode my bike from Baseline and made it almost to Central, probably like maybe a quarter mile before Central. And my water jug got caught in the front wheels, and it she, she threw, yeah. threw Brandon, <laughs> threw him. It's all so making sense yeah, now. yeah. <laughs> things are getting a lot clearer. Yeah. He was a big road rash from his head to his ankles. And I just remember scooping him up, walking him into the nearest farm. And I just told the lady, I go, I just need you to help me bandage up my brother. We're close to my grandma's. I just need him fixed up so I can put him back on the bike and get him to my grandma's. And she, of course, was like any responsible adult. She contacted the authorities. And they <laughs> came and they took me to my grandma with Brandon. Yeah. So that was, I think. Uh, I don't think I was eight. I, I, I was like no, you were two. Diaper. You were yeah, two. still in diapers. Yeah, you were yeah. itty bitty, wow. a little tiny guy. So, and I was all the way. And it was like a pretty sweet bike, if I remember right, too. It was like a brown shitty bike that you had. I don't know if it was like a beach cruiser, I don't but think it, it was, was a beach cruiser. It was pretty shitty. So, so, so for her to go all that way on that bike, yeah, that's tough. Yeah. So I think like <laughs> around year fourteen, that's when. And I've I've said this before um, in my podcast. Like Asian moms are fucking hard on Asian girls. And she was pretty hard on my sister. So uh, at that point, my sister and her decided probably the best thing was for her to go to my dad. So that's why. In what what way are they hard? Um, Every way. Every way. Like, (laughs) I was never skinny enough. I was never had long enough hair. Um, I was a tomboy. I was raised with brothers. Um, All my cousins were boys. So I can hang with them. Um, My middle brother taught me how to fight because I had to constantly, constantly beat ass because he um, ran his mouth a lot as a young kid, and he was tiny. Oh, so you were kicking him one time? like. <laughs> yeah, so well. I just was kind of a scrapper, and so loved pants, loved short hair, and it just always, um, I was never girl enough for my mom. So interesting, and we probably could have never figured it out either. But I have a feeling her mom was that way towards her. So towards the end, I did talk a lot about my mom because there were questions that I wanted answered about her. And I know she was the only girl as well, all brothers. I'm tomboyish as well, but um, I think her mom was hard on her. She told me she ran away when she was ten. She was raised primarily around by her aunt. Um, went back to her mom, I believe, when she was 12, and then her mother sent her to live in a convent in the Manila Catholic convent, and she stayed there till she was 18. Wow. So there just really wasn't that maternal, never really modeled, never taught how to be a mom. And I just think, yeah. For the girls for some reason, because like, and that's one of the things my sister and I talk about, like, I was, I had a totally different, like, view perspective how i was treated stuff like that so i i don't know because i was such a i was the baby boy so but and my brother too like she was just hard on my sister because like my brother loving to death but you know one of my mom's dying wishes was make sure you take care of your brother like to me and and both you know um to my sister because uh, I don't know why, like we don't have a bad relationship or anything like that, but she was just super concerned about him and she always babied him 
uh, no matter what. Like, because cause there was times where I would say stuff, she's like, Dad, Dad, no. Or like, she'd always stick up for Fred or whatever. And I think just because he was kind of, I think my brother's always kind of, I don't know, lost child, middle child. Just kind of lost. Yeah, I think he would be defined as a classic middle child. Yeah. He just, um, I don't know. He was, he was wild. <laughs> he yeah. did so crazy. That dude was on, um, I don't even know what the fuck they call it, but that dude was on a, like a check sheet every day since grade school, all the way through high school. Like the teacher would have to be like, oh, it's Star today or whatever Friday. Like every time, like he ended up on, uh, he almost went to juvenile, uh, juvie hall for just, he was just all, like I always laugh because I would say my brother fucking can't do anything without getting caught. I don't care if he jaywalked, he got <laughs> fucking caught for everything. Oh, yeah. he yeah. Um, One time, I think Dad was lifting in the garage, and he egged a car. I don't even know. It had the bird on the hood. Firebird. So landed on the hood, destroyed the sticker. Dad had to paint his car because the guy was going to call the cops on my brother. Yeah. He's like, I'll just paint the hood. <laughs> everything. <laughs> um, how did it go when you decided to say, hey, I need to go live with Dad? Um, it didn't go well between mom and I. She was pretty upset that I was leaving. And so I just had said, I need to go. I just need, I just needed to go. And I went. Um, and I don't think mom and I talked very much when we were in high school. And I think after she tried reconnecting with me when I was 18. And then by that point, um, I didn't see very much of my mom. I really didn't re-establish a relationship with her till I was probably 33. Because oh, that's a big gap. It w- well, part of it was um, my husband went into the military for almost 10 years, so there was that gap, mm-hmm. and there just wasn't any communication during that time. And then once um, we, we came back um, to Arizona, my husband wanted to meet my mom. He had really never met her, so that was the other story. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That's so the first time? It was the very first time oh he had God. met mom. So the story is, is that <laughs> we are very <laughs> brutal as a family, just in the way that we talk to each other. We're very direct. We're not very... That's how Filipinos are. We're not like, gingerly at all. Like, people people would think you're we're yelling at each other, but it's not yelling. Just It's a cultural thing. Like, Correct. like we could be in the kitchen cooking together, and everything's 100% copacetic and fine. But from an outsider, which I'll let her take it from there, um, it, it, it's something else. So, so it was Darren, or it was my husband, Brandon, and his wife, and my brother, Fred, and his wife. And he just was insulted in the way that we were communicating with her. So after she left, he sat all six of us down. This is Darren? Oh, yes, yeah, it's Darren. sat us yeah. down and yeah. told us that we were the most disrespectful, like, terrible children. That how in the world can you talk to your mother this way? So and naturally, we just started he laughing. He gave you a sergeant talk. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, oh. but So naturally, we just started laughing we at did. him. <laughs> All of us just <laughs> unanimously <laughs> just started laughing. I'm like, you wait. Yeah, you just yeah. wait. You have no idea. Yeah, I'm, like, wow. I'm like, we're not yelling at her. What are you talking about? This is fucking normal, dude. Well, and Darren comes from a very prototypical, stereotypical white family. What problems? We don't talk about problems because they don't. I don't exist. know anything about that. Yeah, no, yeah, like, like, like the problems don't exist if you don't talk about them. And there's nothing in our family that doesn't get talked about. Like with, with, like with, with our immediate family, like my sister and my brother, my mom and like my dad, we talk about everything. If there's a problem, it gets talked about, and that's just. That's just how it is. But we got to kind of step back because I, uh, can I talk about Erica or do you want to talk about Erica? Because it's, 
Kind of oh no, I can talk about Erica. Okay. So so before when when my sister went to live with my dad, um, she went to Marcos where we all went, and then um, she had met somebody in. Yes, yeah, so I originally started off at Corona. Okay. So I did my freshman year at Corona, um, and at that time I met my my first husband. So we high school sweethearts. We dated all through high school, and during my junior year, um, we got pregnant. <laughs> so I was 16 at the time. Got pregnant. Got married. Um, my daughter was born four months premature. Her birthday. She was born in January. She wasn't supposed to be due till April. So she was born with no esophagus, no lungs. She only weighed three pounds, five and a half ounces. She was itty bitty. I could put her head in my palm and her little feet would dangle just below my wow. um, wrist. So she spent the next four months in an ICU in just the little NICU area. Mm -hmm. Never was able to touch her till she was let go. I mean, till she was brought home. She wasn't even uh, supposed to make it through the night, right? Yeah. They, they told had, her. Yeah. So they had called to say, please notify your family. She's just, because she just, she didn't have lungs, didn't have esophagus. She just, and then she beat and defied all the odds. She was supposed to come out, have like severe problems, deficits like hearing and eyesight and coordination. Um, developmentally, she crawled when she was like one, didn't start walking until she was a year and a half. And outside of that, she and she didn't really talk till she was probably about two. Well, she doesn't really talk now either. No, too much. She's <laughs> her mother. <laughs> she's a pretty quiet kid though, and she's like the funny thing is, is she five eight, five nine? Yeah, she's tall. Yeah, she's like she's super tall, stuff like that. That's an impressive story. Yeah, no, it's super cool. Um, but she was, you know, um, well, and the crazy thing is, is I, I don't have the timeline right, so I'm not going to talk about it. I'll let you talk about it. Like after she was born, um, um. Her dad died shortly after that, tragically. Yeah, so um, brought her home in April, and uh, two days after Christmas, my husband died. He was killed in a motorcycle accident, like a dirt bike accident. ETC flipped. Wow. It was terrible in the sense it happened. Um, on a reservation, First right? time. First time he ever rode on a dirt bike and went out with his buddy who owned it, and he ran through a fence that they didn't know was there, and the barbed wire got uh, wrapped around the accelerator, and it slammed him into a ravine. So it pretty much had severed um, one an aorta, something like that. It had completely like um, split his kidney, and they they had a hard time getting him off the reservation. They had to air vac him mm -hmm. from the reservation. Took him to a hospital. They couldn't take him because of his trauma. Ended up sending him to a, a third hospital. So um, by the time I I was notified and made it there, he had passed. So I wasn't there with him when he had died. Wow. So how old were you? I was Six. 17, Just 18. turned 17. Just turned 17. Yeah. Wow. Because your birthday's in September. And it was two days after Thanksgiving, right? Christmas, yeah. Like right after, two Christmas. Days after Christmas. So. And I, Troy. That's heavy stuff. Troy's awesome. He is, was awesome. Stuff like that. Like, I, I have so, much, so many fond memories because he was like just a good dude. Like, he would take us to Kiwanis Park and we'd, and we'd get, I, this, this uh, is my fondest memory of Troy is um, we would get, like, 10-pound blocks of ice, and then we'd go to the top of the hill, and we'd fucking jam down there, dude, like, just with no one's business. And we, I remember we did that several times, but just a super, 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 super good guy. Like, it was, like, horrible and shitty, and, and, and that's just part of her story, and that's why, like, like, one of the reasons why I think she's so fucking awesome, because, like, the world shit on her real early, and it just, you know, 
and she just kept going. Yeah, that's two rough, really rough hands yes. uh, to be dealt with at that Within point in your life. Within six months? Yeah. Yeah, so had um, right after he passed away, then there is a tiff between his family and I because they blamed me for not stopping him from writing. Like, I go, then wouldn't that be great? But <laughs> I go, yeah. it just didn't happen. So that kind of put a rift between us for a little bit, and... Then I had to file bankruptcy because I owned I owed like 50 million people money, and then plus with our daughter's medical expenses, I had her medical expenses, and then his because if we of course didn't have medical insurance, no life insurance, nothing of that sort. Um, I got to learn a lot about what happens to spouses when their partner dies. Like it was a it was a nightmare to have to like access money because I just didn't know any of this stuff, and so luckily. That all worked itself out. I was able to file bankruptcy. Um, the upside was is that I was able to collect Social Security for my daughter, which is what saved me. So I always am grateful for the fact um, it, I still went to college, went to college on time, stayed on track, just because I didn't have to worry about the financial burdens of all of not having money. But during this time, too, and like I'm going to just I'll j- intermittently jump in, like, Erica's on this fucking old contraption because <laughs> what the fuck? I, it, was, it looked like a like a Commodore sixty four PC, but it was basically monitor her her heart and pulse and everything else, and it would it would it would go off if she stopped breathing stuff like that. Like Erica wasn't out of the woods. No, I, and I guess I forget about I, stuff I, and like that. That's why I'm bringing it up. So when I brought her home, um, she had apnea spells because her developmentally her brain just didn't have the neuro like they weren't snapping. So whenever she stopped breathing, the machine would sound off, which it sounded off often. <laughs> but I was just so trained to it that we would just like flick her feet and she would get pissed off cry and i'm like oh she's back to breathing Mm -hmm. (laughs) but she was on that machine probably till she was about six months old we did i forgot that like we couldn't leave her with anyone so the only people that were allowed to watch her were my was my dad and then um troy's parents were the only ones that we had to be certified to be able to run the machine but she was constantly on leads except when i bathed her Mm -hmm. But yeah, just little thing I did. I yeah, I cool because I just remember I'm like, what the fuck is this? Because I was ten years old when Erica was born, so like I have pictures of me when I'm ten, eleven years old with Erica like in my arms and shit like that. So I just remember like all this crazy shit was on her at all times, like having to like come around and if this goes off, you know, to you know say so and so or or yell or whatever else. So yeah, and th- you know, for a seventeen year old girl who's trying to finish high school. Trying to care for you know for a daughter, going through that grieving process, husbands just died, like uh, all that kind of shit. It's that's a lot to 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 hold on to. Yeah, I mean, I walked on time. I graduated with her. I went to night school, worked during the day, um, pumped during the day, yeah. wow. took yeah. milk to the hospital every day, and then she was four months when I graduated, and I walked with her. Can can we talk Good about how you. you fucked up my ability to get a Chevelle? Um. Oh my goodness. <laughs> So then this will back back it up some more. So I had always wanted a Chevelle. I had a Chevelle growing up. So I started off with a Maverick, loved it. Then my dad found me a Chevelle, fixed it up, restored it. But there were very specific rules. I was not allowed to go left on anything because I just the traffic. We lived right off of McClintock and Elliott mm-hmm. Air, and so it's busy. So I was running late. I had my brother Fred with me and had his friend, and I'm just like, screw it. We're just gonna go left. 
And this is fucking repainted, restored. Six months. Super yeah. legit Chevelle. Like, I'm like, I'm a kid. I'm like, I'm going to get one of those fuckers when I get to turn 16. And all this shit. So, go ahead, yeah. continue. So, asshole. Go Left did not see the car coming at us. And he T-boned me, pushed his bumper of his truck to his steering wheel. And it just, like, kind of dinged my side of the front panel and knocked out the cover of the light. Yeah. That's all it did to the Chevelle. But the sad part was is that I had an uncle passing by at the time and saw the accident. Was that Mark? Yes. Oh, I was going to say, it's not your Uncle Mike, was it? No, no it's oh, another, another M. HVAC guy. Yeah, HVAC guy. So he, of course, called my dad, and um, he left the car that way. That was the deal. He would restore it, and if I wrecked it, it would stay wrecked. And it stayed wrecked for about two years. Till I got the money to fix it. Right. And I had to tell him I was pregnant, too, because at the time I was six months pregnant and I hadn't told anybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that probably <laughs> saves you. Oh, it did. That's probably why I'm still here. So, yeah. So, so that's why I didn't. So that's why my dad wanted to buy me a bug. And I, and, and I, and I had to get a Chevelle. The Chevelle was way safer. Totally. I'm with, I'm with totally. you. I know. I'm with you. On this <laughs> yeah, I know. One. So I was like, oh, <laughs> Jesus. And then Fred had a sweet car. I loved Fred's. He had a no. Oh, that's I a loved horrible it. car. Oh, Dodge loved, Dusters. It's it. a Dodge Swinger. It's the it, that's, that's a worse car too. Oh God, so glad about my own car. So I'm gonna throw him under the bus too because he didn't help with the whole Brandon getting a car story. No, he didn't. No, he didn't either because he blew that thing up too. He like snuck. Going, he went to Vegas. He was yeah. like 17, 16, and he took off to Vegas and didn't tell anybody, and he blew the engine. On it, yeah. So, so that's how it goes. Oh. <laughs> it goes. It goes Maverick, Chevelle, Dodge Swinger. We're going to get you a bug. Fuck you. I'm not driving a bug. <laughs> so, so, so that's how Brandon went out and bought a fucking Firebird off a of crackhead. So, <laughs> who's also my brother's girlfriend at, at the time. All right. Sorry. So, so graduate. Eric is four months old. Now where do we go? Because this is this t- this is taking me back too. Because I was way too young to remember all this. Uh, yeah. Stuff. So um, I think it was like a year late. Well, I'm like I just remember like Troy's death. Didn't know a lot. No one really knew anything about how he died because it happened on a reservation. So my dad and his best friend had informed me that there was this there was a guy that actually took him from the accident to the hospital. So they were sharing their stories, and it just was weird. Well, that guy ended up being my husband. It's Darren. It's Darren. Darren oh, was no with kidding. Yeah, Darren. Darren was with my husband when he died. Wow. And I met him a year later. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. C- crazy, so right? Did Darren go to high school with you? We did. We okay. all went to high school together. Never knew him. Darren was, right. like, different track than me. I mean, I was in sports. My Troy was in sports. He played soccer. He was super academic, like, genius. Um, so the Darren I'm you know today oh, is not, not the Darren. Please tell the story. I know. I'm sorry, honey, but um, <laughs> Darren was a hot-ass mess, and I loved him. When I met him, long hair. I used to French braid his hair, Drove a, had a motorcycle, <laughs> smoked. He was just as naughty as per- he was perfect. <laughs> loved him. The Army screwed that up. They did. They matured him, and he's so, like, still. I'm like, dude, I want you to go back to being crazy. <laughs> so you guys met a year later? Yes, on a Father's Day camping trip. Um, we talked briefly, and then we made arrangements for him to just tell me the story as to what had happened because I really wanted his parents to know. I wanted to know, and um, he came, we met, like, talked for six hours, um, and then it, that was it. 
Um, and Darren's I, not a talker. No. Wow. So, yeah, never have stopped seeing him <laughs> since then. How old were you then? I was 18. 18. Or, yeah, 18. And he was 20. All right, keep going. Yeah. So, met, um, met Darren, lived together. About three years, got married. I don't know any of this. Like, this yeah. Is so no, Darren. Was At what point does he uh, decide to go into the army? And, um, and where when does I he told go? him to shit or get off the pot <laughs> oh, was right when on. he went in the army. Okay. So I had a very distinctive five-year plan, and he wasn't. Again, he was fun. It was so much fun. But but this. He drove point, a motorcycle too, right? He did. Oh, yeah. He, had he a just did. He was just so much fun. <laughs> Irresponsible, crazy. Um, yeah, just. I don't even know. I don't even know if he wants me to tell him the rest of the stuff, but... He really doesn't have a choice now. He doesn't. <laughs> but Darren um, loved drugs, all this stuff. Like, he's done everything under the planet. So at that was my thing. I was like, dude, I go, maybe you shouldn't be smoking pot around the kid because I don't want her taken away. So maybe we should just stop. Well, I didn't, but he did. <laughs> um, he smoked, drank, did all that good stuff. So then about three years in, Erica was five. I wanted more kids, but I wanted to be married this time. I wanted to do it legitimately right. And he had no desire. So when he met me, he was very clear. He's like, I'm never going to marry you. We're never going to have kids. Um, our 30th wedding anniversary is Saturday, and we have seven kids. So I always remind him, so how'd that work out for yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> who, who won that <laughs> argument? <Yeah. laughs> but I think like Darren, he was, he was stupid like most of us males until he was 25. I yeah. just think that's kind of that's what it was for yeah. him. He like, was just going nowhere. He really wanted to be a fireman, did the whole rural metro thing, um, just wasn't getting anywhere. So his plan was to be a fireman in the Army. His best friend had gone We'll through. circle back to all that, too. Yeah. So oh, yeah. So, yeah. no, it's crazy. So, his best friend was in the military, helped him get in, took all of his testing. Is that Dan? Yeah, Dan. Dan's now a one-star? One-star. One-star general? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. We know Dan went back, way back in the day. Yeah, Sergeant Dan. <laughs> <laughs> he's very fucking, he's been to every military, army, every single army school you could go to yeah everything he's so decorated it's jump school <laughs> dive school uh everything ranger like he's been to every single school he, he's that's all he ever wanted to do and so he was an enlisted guy forever and then ended up you know going the officer route and now now so he's truly come from the bottom to a one star oh, oh yeah, that's, yeah. That's, Absolutely. That's yeah, sure. yeah and he has a super interesting story too just i love him to death so they met during rural metro we they became friends pushed him to really just try for the military, so he did. So Dan was just super responsible for what got Darren in. So Darren went into the military medical because at the time they quit do using, they didn't have firemen. So he went in uh, medical. He was a field medic and did his basic training, did his AIT, and at that, um, at that time, and we got our first assignment, follow him around. That lasted for about nine years, and then he decided he was going to get out. Hold on. So what are, yeah. There's more. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm like, I got some questions. Yeah, okay, question away. Well, where'd you, uh, where, did, where all did you live? First duty station. Where was it? <laughs> Nothing exciting. We went to San Antonio, Texas. We were that, there six months. Mm -hmm. We stayed there for whiskey. six months. Then we went to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, which we had to get a map to figure out where that was. And I describe it as it is literally a military installation that is dropped in the middle of nowhere in forest. Wow. So you guys were there for a while. Six years. Because I, because I, yeah, cause, because, um, 
that's when Erica did most of her growing and stuff like that. And like you have to remember too, like when she's gone, this is why we didn't we weren't really close when we were younger because of the age difference. Like she's gone and I'm like in high school and she's off doing her thing and like I would see them you know when they came back and stuff like that. But she was all kind of just living her adult life and I'm still trying to figure out how to fucking get to class, you know, every day. So <laughs> So then we stayed in Missouri for six years. We had two more kids at that time. Um, Bryce. Bryce. And then we adopted Caleb. Talk, talk a little more about Caleb. So. My sister has had a, a, a lot of jobs. Not because she's like doesn't like him, but at that time you were military. adult probation officer? Correct. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So my undergrad is criminal justice. And so I was a probation and parole officer for about a year and a half. She I wanted to be like a. Forensics. I wanted to be a federal parole officer. Yeah. But yeah. at the time, you needed to have a master's degree, and I just, it was too soon. So, was the first um, minority to ever be hired in the area that the department that I worked for in 25 years that the probation and parole office had well, been. She, well, she was the first minority in the county, so. <laughs> and this is in Missouri. Yeah. It was. Okay. So, right. my job was 90 <laughs> miles away from the installation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was good times. So. I, I believe a horse went through a windshield. I did. I've killed a horse. I've during, killed a cow a couple During years. one of those commutes. Yeah. Giddy so, up. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would walk by the office and everyone would neigh, like, because I was a horse killer. <laughs> <laughs> they were so nice to me. <laughs> so, did the... How'd you run across Caleb? Um, one of my coworkers was in the process of adopting. She was another probation officer, and so I was just telling her. So, the other struggle that I had is... I can. I was never able to carry a child to term. So between um, Eric and Bryce, I had lost two babies. The last one I delivered at home and carried to the hospital. Ugh. So wrapped him up and just drove. I dropped Erica off at a neighbor's and just drove to the hospital. And they, they hospitalized me for a little while. We were trying, like, um, fertility treatments and everything. And they just said, I just don't think you can ha- get pregnant again. So I just said, what do I need to do to get out of the hospital? Because I'm done. I want to go home. So I did. I went home. We talked about it. And then maybe six months later, I got pregnant with Bryce. And spent 27 weeks. Or at 27 weeks, I um, went into labor with Bryce. And they stopped me. And they kept me from having him. They put me on bed rest. I got hospitalized a couple times. Ten weeks. Had Bryce. And the doctor's like, you're done. You cannot. He goes, you'll never carry a baby to term. So we made the decision, no more kids, but I wasn't done. I said, I don't care if it's green with two heads. I need more babies. I grew up in a Catholic family. It's a minimum five. (laughs) So we were not there yet. So that's when I met. I was telling my coworker about my struggles, and she said, you should consider adopting. I never even had thought about it. So we did the courses. And it happened so fast because we didn't care about the color. Um, we wanted more more minority than Caucasian because everybody in the family was Darren's a token white guy is how he's referred to. And average white guy, yeah, <laughs> not token, tor- average white guy, <laughs> very average. Yeah, very. <laughs> so we finished up our adoption classes, and then four months later we got Caleb. So they gave us a call and said, "We have this little guy here." How old was he? He was 10 months. Wow. Yes. Okay. And so we were one of five families that put in for him, but we were the only non-black family. So Caleb's black. 
And Caleb's black? I know. When did he, we call him Carlton because he's <laughs> really white on the inside. I didn't know he was black. My godson's black. What's going on? Yeah, so they chose us because we were the youngest and we had kids. Everybody else didn't have kids. And because we were in the army, they knew that he would have the diversity. Yeah, and there's some support there that comes along with that, right? Yeah, and in the military, it's really unusual to have same same race couples. Everyone's mixed, so it worked out perfect for us. So we got Caleb. He's a cute baby, too. Oh, my God, he was, was like... cutest baby. So how, how old's Caleb now? How old Caleb's are your kids, and all of your kids now, I guess, would be? Okay. Um, Eric is 33. 34. 34. Um, Bryce is 27. Caleb is 24. And then the twins, they're 16, um, 15-year-old son, Franny. And then Daniel, yes, Daniel Daniels, is um, 13. <laughs> he gets so much shit. He c- like today. Yeah, it sounds like a hillbilly name. <sighs> this is my brother Daryl, my other brother Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like saying out loud. Did, I, didn't, I didn't even think about that till right oh, now. Oh, no, they did. Oh, we did when we adopted him. Like, we're going to be that family when they go to an <laughs> So there's two name. kids still at home? Four. Four kids at so home. Okay. We're going to get to that story because okay, that's yeah. an amazing story that needs to be told as well. So, got Caleb. Um, I, of course, quit my job because I just wanted to just be everything for him. So, and it, we also got transferred, so it kind of went hand in hand. And then he got stationed in Sierra Vista. We did not go to anywhere exotic. Oh, we went like back. Yeah, yep. super place. nice. Yeah. So, spent three years in Sierra Vista, and that pretty much ended. Darren's time. He had just gotten his master's degree, got passed up for E7, and he was on fire pissed. And he's like, I'm going to get out and get a job. And and I was like, Yeah. We weren't ready. Started working wow. for the county. Mm-hmm. What did he do there? Is like some kind of. He was the, I don't know, bio. Something, something, something. Something, something. Basically, he did all the emergency plans in the event of like if there was a bioterrorism attack, he was the coordinator for all the. Worked in emergency management yes. then. Yeah. 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 Okay. Did that, and then he became. When did you sneak in a master's? Was it after this? Uh, got the master's when I had when I was in Sierra Vista. I got a master's in um, clinical counseling, and an advanced degree with marriage and family. I did forget about that career too. Thanks. I know. I'm, I'm filling all so these gaps. So, in between these gaps, um, I became a sex offender therapist. Because when I couldn't do the shtick as a federal parole officer, I wanted to work with sex offenders. My goal is to work with rapists, loved rapists. Um, which Why? I just can't, loved. Just can't make that statement. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I've never actually heard those words put together that way. Yeah. No, so no, Darren cringes every time I, I say, cringe can too. you stop? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. So no, I just was fascinated with them. Um, when I was a parole officer, we ran a program for young offenders where we would tour, like, level five like bedroom we would go to places Mm -hmm. and the guys that would run it were lifers they were never going to get out and one of the gentlemen he was in there for life for like for rape and the more i talked to him the more intrigued i was by just his need to do what he was doing i just like he was good looking articulate and i'm like why like why would you just do it the traditional way (laughs) like so that's when i became fascinated with him so I did the counseling for about a year and a half. Stopped at that time because it, poor Erica, she was in junior high and I was a bad, I was a nut mom. Like I would not, I would just scrutinize everything she did. 
Yeah, well, you're working around a bunch of losers that rape kids. Like, yeah, well, I just be freaked out all so the time. Yeah, 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 I know that feeling. It put a little yeah. damper, so w- I took a break. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> maybe I need to rethink this. <laughs> and then I started doing counseling for group home for girls, for 16-year-old girls, and I loved it. Um, but would come home crying every day after all my group counseling, and Darren would just have my Jack and Coke ready for me on the counter and just listen to me crying about doing that for another six months. He's like, you're done. He goes, I need you to go I don't know how you don't have 20 job. adopted kids. Oh, she would if oh, Darren would. let her. Yeah. yeah. No, no. If Darren our, let me. Our big joke is if it's broken, drop it off at a jurist's house. Animals, <laughs> fucking matter. whatever. Yeah. I think at one time they had seven cats. Like, yeah. shit like that. Yeah. So. She, she has the biggest heart ever. She wants to fix everybody. So yeah, then so when Caleb was in eighth grade, Darren says you gotta go back to work, pay off your student loans. So at that point, I started, I, wor- I worked at an, as an aide with two master's <laughs> degrees at my son's school because I just wanted to be with my son. So um, the school found, the secretary found out and she made me become um, a substitute, long-term sub at this school. And then they finally pushed me to become a teacher, went back and got another master's. So I have a master's in education. But about that time, like Darren, I that's when I was getting out of corporate America. And that's when I decided to change careers. So I'm like, the fuck am I going to do? And I'm like, eh, uncles, uh, well, maybe I'll go to PA school. They, they have a pretty sweet schedule and make pretty good money. And I can do whatever the hell I want to with my time off. And I'm like, my uncle's a fireman. I'm like, let's sit down and have lunch with him. So then I went and had lunch with Uncle Mike. And uh, I'm like, this is all you fuckers do? I'm like, I'm in. I can do this shit for real. Yeah, they pay yeah. you every two weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, so then that's when, at the time, they're, you know, basically, if you had a pulse and fucking <laughs> something, they're going to hire you. So I get hired. And I don't even know how it happened, but Darren and I were sitting around, and he brings up the fire department thing, because he really wanted to be a fireman back then. And he, I don't think he was real happy with the county job at that time, right? Oh, he was so miserable. Yeah. I mean, he was so miserable. So I'm like, dude, I could probably help you get hired if you want to do that. And he's like, really? I'm like... Well, the first thing I do is go talk to my fucking sister because I am not dealing with that fucking rat. <laughs> <laughs> like so, so you have to go get get the okay from her if if it's okay. I don't know. I've never asked you how that conversation went because I because you weren't on board at first. No, never wanted Darren to be a fireman <laughs> because we had finally gotten to a place that I'd gotten custom to like our just financial stability. And it meant that I would have to find a full-time career to, ca- to supplement. Because I think at the time... You're going to take a, a decent pay oh, cut. Yeah. Huge. 50% Getting at least. started, yeah. 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 So was not was never supportive of it. So it, it wasn't was, necessarily the work. It was just the fact that he was going to start over and start at the at, bottom of some yeah. whatever it, pile. And he was 40. So I had said, why can't you just do what every traditional American man, go get a blonde and a Corvette, and I can handle that. <laughs> I go, but do you need to get another career? <laughs> Do you see the similarities? That go yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm catching on. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> so he did it, and I've told him many times that I'm super, I'm super proud of the fact that he stuck with what he wanted in his dream, and he pursued it. So it, he's so much more happier. And I knew Darren would be a great fireman. I just, he's just one of those guys that's a great fireman. Like everyone I talk to now, then because they really, they're like, "That's your brother-in-law? Did you marry his sister?" I didn't like, know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So and. uh but I remember because I was like, hey, I was pretty much filling in for Billy every time Billy was off at Station 3 and Billy was running that interview group. And I was like, hey, do you want me to work with Darren? He's like, no, no, no I'll work. I'm like, dude, you don't understand. Like, you're going to fucking want to pull your hair out because Darren will not 
um, really brag on himself, and that's part of the problem, like with his interview process that I was trying to get through with his captain's test, whether he won't brag on himself. So I used to watch Billy come down from upstairs every time and be like, dude, your fucking brother-in-law is killing me. I'm like, I fucking told you, dude. I'm like, I told you. I'm like, he's the hardest guy to try to, try to get stuff. So when yeah. was this? What what year are we talking It was like a year after I got hired. So it might okay, have been so 07, 08. Yeah, 07, 08, something okay. like that. Right. Yeah, so, um, but I knew once he got through that process, he would be fucking tremendous and everyone would like him, stuff like that. So, right. so Billy ended up getting him through it. I'm not, thank you, Billy Sneed. I'm not taking the credit for it because Billy did all that work and, and Darren did all that work because it was a lot, you know, to get through. And then, and then he ended up becoming a fireman and then you had to go back. Well, that's when I got my teaching position and then I went into teaching. So they're killing it. Teacher and fireman. There's yeah. so much. Yeah. Money. That's yeah, fucking the Brinks truck showing up every <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> oh, huh? yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I think Darren, Sophie's been on for 13. How long have you been on? Is it? I'll be going on 16. So then he is two years he's ago? A, yeah, he's a couple years after after I got hired. So I think like maybe five years in to him being a fireman, um, I'm at a staff meeting, and my coworker tells me about these um, cute boys. And I was just saying that I had this sixth-grade boy. He just needed a dad. He's being raised by his grandpa. He just needs a dad. And I go, I have a fantastic husband. He's a great father. And so this woman chimes in. She goes, no, 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 no. If I have kids if that need a dad. And I go, sure, I'll take him. And she didn't know me. She's like, I'm being serious. I go, well, you don't know anything about me, so am I. <laughs> yeah, if it's damaged, send him my yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> so I said, let me just talk to my husband about it. And I went home and told him. And he's like, sure, let's do it. So we went through the adoption process again to get these boys. Um, got the boys, and they were four and five when we brought them home. And then about six months later, we found out that they had twin sisters that were living in a group home that were eight. And my sister's not going to leave. Oh, nope. wow. There is no way. And Just like me taking the extra puppy home? <laughs> she's yeah. Been, yeah, totally But different. I get it. I, I'm yeah. right there with you. If well, I found that out, really? yeah, I'm with you. Darren was not on board because he's like, Andrea... <laughs> We, that's four. That's two more. Yeah. He goes. That's four kids. He goes. That's one more, more than yeah. what we had. That's their sisters. And, I totally am. And I had said, I go. I did not. I was not raised with my siblings. And I go. And that was the thing that always had stuck with me is I would never split up sibling groups because I knew what it did to my, um, to my siblings. And I go. I would never do that. And I said, I'm not standing before God saying that we couldn't do. It. We have the ability. We have the time. We have the talent. We could just do it. So we did it. And um, it was a nightmare, and I told him, I'm like, oh, my God, what were you thinking? So, Why did you So let I'm going to rewind a little bit. So they started off as just, they started off as foster parents. And then they made that, tr- like, that transition, like, we're going to take these kids. Well, they had not, what's, what's the, the technical term the, for the rights of the mom? Oh, they had not, the rights hadn't been terminated. Yeah, so the mom still had rights. So this whole time, it's a couple year, a year at least, right, mm-hmm. where she, my sister and Darren are going, Back and forth to court, they're trying to get the, the mother's rights severed, all that kind of stuff, so they could take, so they could actually take full custody of those kids. Well, and my sister, as tough and as mean as she is, she's fucking soft as hell. So a, a, anytime she leaves like the courtroom, it's tears, and oh. I don't want to do this, I can't do this anymore. So my brother and her, um, she knew if you want to go run it out or bike it out or exercise it out, call me. If you want to go to the bar, call the other guy. Yeah. Like, like, you like want to drink Fred. it out? I know who to call. Yeah, call Fred, because I'm not going. And I even told her that. Like, the one time, like, hey, 
you want to go fucking get get eat dirty and, and and work out and and throw up that way or whatever, fucking let's go. But other than that, call Fred. So they, how long did that process take? Um, it took about a year and a half for it to finally happen. Yeah. Wow. So so once it finally happens, they get the four kids and those kids. But they're living with you the whole the, that time. They are, and while they're living with us, they still get rights to see their parents. So they would go see their parents every week. A um, couple times a week. Um, we still had to do all of the things that the courts asked us to do. We had like seven people that would come in and out our, of our home because mom had a coach. Kids had a coach. They had behavioral um, therapists. They had therapy. Yeah, it was a, um, it was a mess. Can I? Yeah, how challenging for you and them during that time? And th- th- going back, uh, uh, that's... For them, it was normal because they had been in the system um, since... She had seven children, and we took four of the seven. I would have taken the fifth, wow. but they told me that he would probably, like, it, it would be bad. bad. And they said you, they would disrupt the whole. So they said you can only take the four. And can I talk about their background briefly? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, very high level? Yeah. I'll tell you. So they were not in a good place when they showed up to my sister. The kids were, they had been homeless. They had, they had, they had slept in parks, like. Um, some of the girls were being groomed to be taken advantage of and sold, stuff like that. Um, and I remember when my sister was kind of telling me some of the stories, it was heartbreaking for me because, um, like the, like the first time she told me she was going to adopt all four, my exact words were her. I'm like, you're out of your fucking mind. The world needs more people like you. God bless you. If you need me to write a check for anything, <laughs> just, yeah, call, just right. call. Yeah. <laughs> just, just let me know. Cause I'll fucking give you whatever you need money wise for them or whatever. But like, I remember one time, and I won't say who the kids were or anything like that, like, they used to take them out to dinner, and as they would leave the restaurant, the kids would be grabbing food off of tables and shoving it in their pockets because they didn't know when their next meal was going to come. Um, and they had to, like, sit them down and say, hey, look, here's the deal. When you're with us, you will never have to worry about where your next meal is coming from, you know, the food that you'll eat, stuff like that. So, and then... The other one that really fucked me up one time was when when they had to sleep in a park and they couldn't get to like like a public restroom. How they would have to like clean themselves up. Well, one of the toilets broke in the house and they came home to like a boot scoot from a dog, but it wasn't a boot scoot from a dog. That's how that's how the kids had to clean themselves up afterwards. And when she told me that story, I was like, "What in the holy fuck is like?" It was like one of the worst things I've ever heard of those kids because they must have been five. Four, six, seven years old when they had to go through that stuff? Yeah, so there was no toilet paper in the bathroom is what prompted the scooting across the carpet. And I said, well, it's okay. And he goes, that's what I used to do when I was in the park. I'm like, well, it's okay. Um, You don't have to do that here. Just tell mom and I'll bring you more toilet paper. But little things like simple things that I think we as parents take advantage of that they just, they didn't have. Well, like, and there was always something that was coming up. There's a behavioral thing and, and there's a this and there's a that. And it was like... I mean, I know that you and Darren, like, you guys were in the fight and battle, but there was probably three, four, five years where it was just like, what the fuck? Oh, it was a nightmare. So, like, I would say probably four years. There is a movie called Instant Family, which I'm going to plug it. It's funny. Oh, that was Darren and I. So there is a scene in the movie where the parents are, have you seen the movie, where they're talking it's about... Fa- the, so the premise of the movie is, like, like we're going to adopt kids. It's going to be awesome. Our kids are going to be great. We're this, that, and the other. And, and, and they quickly find out 
That is not how it fucking goes. Right. So our poor little one um, would threaten to kill me, to kill us in our sleep. He's like, I'm gonna kill you in your sleep. And I go, No, you're not. Cause I'm gonna lock the door. So <laughs> and I would just tell the adult kids, when I die in my sleep, look under my nails because his DNA is gonna be underneath <laughs> it because I'm gonna claw him. So he wa- he loved that movie and that was how he processed things when things would get really dark for him. He'd always ask, Can we put the movie on? I'm like, absolutely. And I figured it out. I'm like, it's just he wanted to see his happy ending. So the scene where the mom and dad are talking, he turned to me. He's like, is that what you and dad said when we were living here? I go, every day, friend. (laughs) And he goes, that's awful. I go, you threatened to kill me in my sleep. He goes, that was the old me. I go, well, that was the old mom. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Crazy. Yeah. So so that was a battle. And 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 if we kind of rewind a little bit, um, um, they along this whole process when like Andrea has the kids, and I don't think any of those other things happen. There, like Darren's been deployed multiple times. Yeah. Like how many deployments did he end up? He's going? done two year long deployments. So um, I pretty much raised the first three kids without him, and he would always wait till they. The deployments always happened when the kids were in high school. So he did one during our daughter's junior year, one during Bryce's um, junior year, but always made it back before they graduated from high school. But his job called him away. So Darren would be gone maybe 20 days. He would do his 10 days on the fire department, and he would do his 20 days with the military because he had all these units everywhere that he would go. So I've always I've raised all these kids pretty much by myself. Um, I think that was... Yeah, I mean, but it was all, he, he was he was in and out, and like part of the deal, like because he just retired. It's been a year, two and a half years ago. It's been two and a half I years. Know. Jesus, um, retired as an E nine, high enlisted. You know that you can be, and part of their deal now is like he, that he wants to be home and and be present. And he was he was present when he was there, but and there's always a, a transition period when when someone comes back from war. And or just from a deployment in general, like, hey, fuck fresh, like you haven't been here for a year or six months, like you have to fit back into the family, and we have our routine and that kind of stuff. So they 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 would constantly go through, not constantly, but they would go through that like like that type of stuff. And this is constant. Yeah. So I would remind (laughs) him. I would tell him, I go, you're on a day pass. You are not a full time resident. Day pass. (laughs) And I would say, you don't run the house or the finances. I do. You get domain of the garage and the yard. That's it. So he, because um, anyone that, ha- that that is a spouse of a of a of a deployed soldier or whatever, um, they there's a like you're basically a single parent, and then and then every day you're you're living with the idea that he may not come home, she may not come home, like this this that kind of stuff. And my sister's as tough as they come, obviously. Like so to have to go through that like all the fucking time, it's just not. It's not an easy thing. Like the sacrifices that the spouses give, I would say are as great or greater than what the soldier on the front line is kind of dealing with. Totally so. makes sense to me. Which is why I got my seven kids. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so she's managing that household, working, doing all that kind of stuff. Like and shit would happen. Like there's there's very few times she'd ever call me for help. Like, hey, fans fucked up or this, that, or the other. So like I'd go there and help. Now, I'm talking about you know very very rarely. She ran that house like you know, like like it was hers. And I'll brag on her as, as a mom, like great mom, super militant or whatever. But I tell the story all the time. Like 
she was like, well, she had to run it that way, right? She has all these kids that are rambunctious, and like she would always set the microwave. Was it five minutes? Yeah. So she'd set it at eight o'clock, set the microwave five minutes, and she would say, "You have five minutes to do whatever the fuck you want to do. Get something to drink, get something to eat, brush your teeth. When that timer goes off, you better be in bed." And like that, that time, I've been there a couple times when the countdown starts, hits that five o'clock, it's like. <laughs> They're just like around the house running, doing whatever they have to have to have to do. And that because when that when that five minutes is up, I don't give a shit. You're going to bed. It was it's hilarious. So she ran, she ran that house when Darren was gone like a drill sergeant. It was funny. But those kids stayed in line, and you know, and and I don't know. I was wasn't there full time. I I don't know how much how much trouble they were. Um, I know with when you took everything out of Erica's room, was Darren gone? Oh, no, Darren was there, so... <laughs> this is a great story. <laughs> I run to believe that you are privileged and that you're entitled. to, and But I, you, you act entitled. But So our daughter, did she complained about something, and so I stripped her room. I took her bed. I took... She had nothing. Took everything. everything pillows, clothes. She slept on the floor. Yeah. And I'm like, you can earn it back. I go, I wasn't given anything. I had to earn it all. I go, you've had everything. I said, you forget that you come from a teenage mom, and that you have so much. So and when she says give it back, like it means like she went to school the next day in the same clothes that she came home with the day before. Then she'd get a pillow back or like then she'd get her mattress back. It wasn't like, yeah, here here's your bedroom set back. It's like you get piece by piece by piece by piece by piece back. How'd uh how'd that work out? She's great. Like she's well. It's funny because as much as she complained about me as a mom, she runs her son the way she run. Well, I ran her because she did not mess around. I was like, ooh. Yeah. So <laughs> always like always super super tough. I don't know how else you would be if you had to raise those kids by yourself. Because if not, they'd kind of walk walk all over you. Yeah. No. None of them were ever disrespectful. Never did anything. And as adults, like because they're all adults now, like it's a revolving door of them coming back home. Like not to stay or live, but like to visit and stuff like that. Yeah, I like see them all the time. It's the yeah. central hub. They yep. live like right down the street from me. Yep, yep, they do. All right, so Darren gets hired. Adopt the kids. I was gonna tell you, but well, you did help me one time. So I also fostered three more kids after oh, we took yeah, the four kids. That was Darren's idea. That was. Oh my God! Yeah, okay. I just wanted the one. Yeah. So one or four. It was three. <laughs> oh, you want to? Okay. Yeah. So go ahead. So I mentored um, broken kids at my school. So this little girl was a second grader and loved her. And she's told me a story that I had to report. So they took her away. And then the CPS worker interviewed me. And in the interview, she says, hey, would you be willing to take her? Because she needs to be placed. I go, absolutely. Let me call my husband, though. <laughs> So then she says... Is there any other answer than yes? So then I go, oh my... I, she goes, well, there's two more. And I go, what? I go, there's a, she has a fifth grade brother and a junior high brother. And I was not willing. But Darren's like, you know the deal. We can't break up sibling groups, so... My sister's in a three-bedroom, two-bath house. Just, just give me some fucking... Just Giddy give me some, some perspective. So we had seven kids living there. We had two sets of bunk beds in the boys' bedroom because it was two boys. There's four boys in one bedroom and the three in the other. So we kept them. It was only supposed to be a 30-day temporary thing till Dad got on his feet. And we had those kids um, for almost nine months. I would say six or nine months. Wow. Yeah, we had them a long time. And they... Still connected to them? No. They were, da- they were almost beyond the point of, of, of helping. 
that it was yeah. So just this and things. My biggest regret was that I didn't keep the little girl, but it was okay. So Darren's like, oh no no, take him, take him, take him. Well, he gets deployed to Canada for a month. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, and apparently then, the government was listening to your conversations. <laughs> and then that was when my water heater broke. So I'm boiling water for seven kids and myself before winter because you came and took care of my water heater because I don't even remember. Yeah. yeah, it broke. For three days I was boiling water for eight people oh, to take baths. Yeah. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and the bo- the two boys were they probably needed a year of intense counseling or more. They needed a smaller home. Yeah. I, I just had too really many kids. Really focused, yeah. Yeah, so... There's just too much going on with them, too much, too much, like, abuse of all kinds of nature um, that just those kids, they needed... Just and it was sh- triggering my girls, and so that was my thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah. I do remember that. That was, that was kind of the final decision, like, they, we got to figure something out. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, so seven kids, all that good stuff. Then, where else? That now mom shows up? That's when mom shows up. <laughs> so so, so um, I'm going to share more than I typically would about my mom's, um, or just my life in general when it comes to that kind of stuff. So 10 to 12 years ago, mom, mom comes over um, to my house. I'm still married at the time. Tells me, honey, um, my heart hurts. I say, okay. How long has your heart been hurting? Since yesterday. All right. Take a deep breath. Get any worse. Go anywhere, start asking those questions. A couple things I don't like to hear. We're, my mom's stubborn, um, very stubborn. So I'm like, hey, let's go to the fire station and just take a blood pressure. That's all we're going to do. That's all we're going to do. We're just going to take blood pressure. So get her to um, 43 because Mike was on shift that day. So h- hook her up to the monitor. Fucking blood pressure comes back like 220 over 140. I'm like, God damn it. So Mike's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, let's do it. Full, full workup, get her in there, put the leads on her, shout, you know, we can see something's going on. Well, my mom, like, and we didn't, I think I talked I talked about it a little bit in my podcast, but we kind of forgot she has, like, third grade education. Yeah, yeah, she does. Like, so, like, even though she's in the convent, like, just kind of a weird deal. Um, mom's not dumb, but just not highly educated, just a little, you know, just doesn't know how all this shit works. So she's immediately pissed off at me. Like you said in her in her crazy Filipino accent, we're all gonna come here and take a blood pressure and like she doesn't want to go to the hospital, this, that, and the other. And I at this time there's probably six or seven of my peers in the room with us. And I have to make the judgment call to either get her in line or just let her keep going. So and my sister will attest to this and I'll I'll tell that story later. My mom's kind of the only one that she listens she definitely listens to my sister, but she listens to me more. Like, I'm the only one that can come down on my mom and get her in line. So I'm like, here's the fucking deal. You're now embarrassing me in front of all of my peers. You're going to have a fucking heart attack and you're going to die. So either you're going to go through this or you're going to die right here. You make the call. I'm just like stone-faced staring at her. And she's like, but you said, I said, I know what I said. And now the circumstances are different. So she's like, that's fine. So Ivy just sat on the other mic. So, so they're getting ready to load her up. And I'm like, all right, I'll meet you there. What? You're not coming in the ambulance with me or whatever? I'm like, I am not coming in the ambulance. We need to be able to leave like once we get there. So get her to the hospital. Um, Mimi uh, Zipser is an ER doc on duty. And so I, so I, I immediately text Mimi because they're friends of ours. I'm like, hey, mom's here, blah, blah, yada, yada, yada. Cool. So I have the inside track of kind of what's knowing what's going on. They don't move her to the front of the line or, or anything like that. So we get her in. 
run the blood work, definitely having a heart attack. They, they move her over to ICU, or not ICU, but, but into a room. Um, the doctor, do you remember his name? God, I like that guy. Um, Farage? For, I think it is, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Farage. Um, he wants to do an angiogram. Well, my mom is, I'm not doing the angiogram, blah, 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 blah. So I, I come in the room, um, and, and I'm like, hey, do you want me to talk to her for you? I'm like, she'll listen to me. He's like, yeah. So he steps outside. I shut the door talking to her stuff and i'm not gonna do that and then i'm back to the you're gonna fucking die if this doesn't happen and that's when i get a little bit emotional so i start crying because i'm like starting this is the first time that i realized i can lose my mom like because she needed a triple bypass and like i'm like well that's what they found out afterwards so i'm in there i'm like here's the fucking deal do you want to see your grandkids again do you want to see your daughter again do you want to see me again then you have to fucking get this done like it's probably i don't know three four five minute little barrage for me She's like, fine, I'll do it, or whatever. So I go to open the fucking door, and the doctor's right there. So he's heard this whole conversation, like, of me cussing at my mom, like, me getting, like, a little bit pissed off. I'm like, dude, I am so sorry. I don't, I'm like, you don't understand. Like, my mom, this, this is sometimes, this is how it has to go down to get her to do something. He's like, dude, thank you. I'm so glad that you're here to be able to Yeah, he might want you to come back and do that for <laughs> yeah, other patients. Yeah, so... So we go um, through that deal, um, gets the angiogram, needs triple bypass. Triple bypass comes, um, and that was a whole nother deal. Like, I don't want to have the heart surgery, all that. So get her to do that. Uh, my sister and I, my brother, loving to death, just not good with any of this stuff. It's no fault to him. Um, it, 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 it's, it's not that he doesn't love my mom like, like, like my sister and I do. Just doesn't do good with this kind of stuff. So my sister and I, we're kind of man in the front, like kind of what – we always have uh, through this whole process. Like I'm super busy. Like I'm part of a, a larger uh, construction company at the time. I'm posted up in the waiting room on my laptop working the whole time. Um, and then my mom gets out of surgery. It's fine. Well, uh, me, I don't even know why I did this. Like w- w- before she went into surgery, I did it. I'm like, Hey, give me your grips, push, pull. Like I did a stroke screening on her. Cause I was a little worried about something breaking off in there and, and her stroke. And so get her an ICU She's out hard for a while. Well, when she wakes up, she has the alien hand thing going. And, um, and I'm like, fuck, she stroked. Cause I, but the, the medical staff, the cardiologist, everybody's fighting me saying she didn't fucking stroke. I'm like, my mom fucking stroked. Like, she stroked. Um, this is what I did before. Yada, yada, yada. They're like, well, we'll just do an EEG to kind of rule all that shit out. Well, little did they know I had somebody there on the inside. And, and before the test came out, or came back, I was able to go through that test with her. And she's like, your mom stroked. So I'm like, God damn it. I'm like, I fucking knew it. I'm like, why, why aren't the, these assholes fucking listen? And that's when I finally figured out, like, you got to be an advocate for, for, for your family. No matter what happens. Yeah. And like, we're the family that goes out of our way to say thank you. Like when she, like when she was in ICU, we bought the whole staff lunch like multiple times just to say thank you for taking care of our mom and helping her out. And like and like we never said, "Oh, I'm a fucking fireman and I'm this." And I, I none, none of that shit. We just wanted to let them know that we gave a shit about like the fact that they're taking care of our mom. So, I this was the first time I ever had to get into a room with a bunch of doctors. It was cardiologist, whatever the diabetic doctor is. I'm drawing a blank. Um, the hospitalist and like somebody else. And I was like, and they were they're they're there to deliver that information. And I don't think they knew that I knew. So before they got started, I'm like, Hey, here's the deal. I know she stroked. I've re- I've already seen the results like from that test. And they kind of started fucking tap dance and stuff like that. I'm like, here's the deal, dude. I just told them all. I'm like, here's the deal. I do not give a shit that you made a fucking mistake. 
I don't care. That, that is not the big fucking deal. The big deal for me and my family is the fact that the dumbest one in the room is telling the smartest motherfuckers in the room what to do. That does not instill any confidence in me or my family. From this point forward, I'm just going to ask you to do your job, and that is fucking it. And they just kind of looked at me like, who the fuck is this guy? And I was, I was like, this is going to end here. I'm like, I'm not going to fucking complain or want to talk to your boss or get on. I'm like, this ends here. We just need to be, all of us need to be on the same fucking page from this point forward. So my mom stays in ICU. She take, I take day, no, you take day shift. I take night shift. So my sister's by her side during the day. I work construction shit and fire department all day long. I come back at nighttime, tuck her in bed. And we're giving reports off like, hey, she's this. The alien hand still thing's going on. Finally gets out of there. Um, during this process, I think I already said in my podcast, I bought my mom a condo. Well, like at that time, I'm like, fuck, man. Like, what are we going to do? Remodel the whole bathroom, make it 88 accessible. Sister's amazing. Like, through this whole deal, get mom home. Um, and she's fine. The deficits go away. That's why we call her. We nicknamed my mom for a long time the Terminator because you can't kill the bitch. Like, she just gets up. And gets it just keeps going like whatever takes her down, she just gets back up. So all that stuff goes away. We leave her there on her own, but my sister's there every week, and Darren too, filling her meds, doing all that kind of stuff. I'm more at this point like uh, my sister and I kind of talked about it because, like my sister said, they didn't really connect till later. Like I was the one um, really having the emotional support and the financial support for for my mom at the time, but like in need, sister steps right up like. Doesn't skip a beat, right there. Everything that that needs to happen for my mom, they're Johnny on the spot. Like never complain, never bitch. They just kind of work through it. So that went on for six, seven, eight years with with mom staying there. And then we got to the point where we went over there one time, and my mom was always a super clean person, like fucking pine salt, Clorox, like just clean all the time. And we, and we had dog, we got her dogs, and just make sure that stuff like that. And, and the one thing that, that she made me promise, and I'm sure she told you too, is that we would never put her in a home. And, yeah. I was, and I was like, we'll never put you in a home. So at the end, it just wasn't going well there. We, we made the judgment call to bring her closer to us. So um, the, the condo was kind of in shambles at that point. And I, I don't feel bad for it because we, we saw her every week. But just one of those things where maybe we should have made the call earlier to, to get her somewhere else. But she wasn't like pissing herself or stuff like that. She just wasn't taking care of... And she might have been resistive to, to a change. Oh, no. She she, she was. So, yeah. like, I'll get there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Lola is stubborn. So, when we tell her we're moving her into... My brother, I don't know why, moved into an over 60 or 65? It's over 55? Over, over 55 community. I don't know. Which they, he's not 55. But they had a 10% exception <laughs> rule. So... So this is your brother? This is yep, my brother. This our is brother lives in an over 55 community. <laughs> yeah, Fred's always beats his own drum. Like, he's truly an artist. Like, he just kind of just amazing. does his own thing. Yeah, yeah. amazing artist, too. Um, so we're like, hey, why don't we put her in where Fred's at? She'll be closer um, to family, and then we can, if something comes up, we can kind of do that. Um, and uh, so, so we get over there, but she is kicking and fucking screaming the whole way. You said I could stay here forever. That you and Now you're kicking me out of my own house. I'm like, that's not what we're doing. Like, you can't take care of the place anymore, Mom. Like, we love you. Like, this is happening. Like, it's the deal. You'll like it better. It, it'll be better eventually. She just don't, they just don't like change. So get her over there. Get her own place. She kind of likes it. Um, 
And during this process, too, like right around the time that, that things were going south, at, like at the other place, I forgot that, too, I get a call from Chandler PD. I'm like, hey, he's like, we have your mom. I'm like, what's going on? Or my mom called me. She's crying. I'm like, hey, like, what's going on? And uh, he's like, well, your mom uh, clipped a curb, almost took out a family, and is driving on an expired fucking driver's license. I'm like, what? I'm like, how is she driving on an expired license? Well, she got a red light ticket and never, never, never did that. Right. Like, like never did it. So um, he's like, well, hey, in the city of Chandler, if you're driving on an expired driver's license, we have to impound the car. And I, the car is worth like fucking 800 bucks, 1,000 bucks. It was a Toyota Tercel, like decent car, but it was old. And I think it must have, I don't know how fucking old it was, but only had like 40,000 miles on it. So they impound the car. I go down and try to talk to the judge. Darren does too. They, they won't. Release the fucking car because it needs to stay in, in impound for 30 days. I'm like, then keep the motherfucker. That's now your toy to sell. Like, the fees that it's going to take me to get this car out of here. Yeah, not even worth not the oh, Keep yeah. it. Like, it's fucking yours, dude. Merry Christmas, son of a bitch. I'm like, I, I was so fucking mad, too. I'm like, you fucking cocksuckers. Like, this is a 60-some-year-old lady. Like, that's her only, like, mode of transportation. And at that point, I, well, you know, we talked about it, and, and we made a decision. Mom's not driving anymore. Yeah. She's done. Like, there's truly a Family Guy clip and Google the shit where it's an Asian. I, I sent it to my sister and my brother. I'm like, this is mom. It, it goes something like this. It's an Asian lady driving a car, and she says, how much signal do I must give to go across all four lanes? None. Good luck, everybody. She cuts across all It's like semis are blowing up and fucking cars are like, this is our mother. Like, this is like that, that, and my sister and I have always had a morbid sense of humor, and it fucks so it actually fucked up Erica. She told my sister, like, you and Uncle Brandon have to stop. Like, yeah, stop. Yeah, because you guys are really morbid, and it's disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, so, but that's just, that's just how we are. So, um, so that gets taken away. I buy her a three, like a, like a three wheel bike. Yeah. And, and, and my last words to her are lock it up. Lock it up. Gotta lock the bike up because that thing's gonna get stolen. So it lasts three fucking weeks. Bike gets stolen. How'd it get stolen? You lock it up? No. I'm like, that's why it got stolen. I told you you need to lock the bike up. So she was, she, at that point, we took her everywhere. Like, we, that, that's, just, that's just how it is. And it was a constant battle with her. Um, I got to a point, I think my sister did too, cause, because that, cause after the heart surgery, she's diabetic, like all that kind of stuff. And we, I mean, my sister did amazing shit, printed off laminated cards of the food to eat, like like everything you could do to set her up for success, my sister did. Like, she's a teacher. Like, everything's there. And we used to just battle and battle and battle. Like, I remember one time I, I showed up to take my mom out to dinner and she wouldn't answer the door. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I don't want to go to dinner. I'm like, well, here's the deal. When someone invites you to dinner and you accept, you don't get to fucking cancel when they show up. Like, that's just the deal. I'm like, I'm like let me in, mom. She's like, no, I'm like, I have a fucking key. Like, I'm just trying to be nice. Like, I own the fucking condo. So I, I open the door, and I go in there, and what's on the fucking stove? A family meal from Pizza Hut of pasta and pizza and fucking breadsticks or whatever the fuck it was. I'm like, oh, that's why you don't want to let me in that, like, in to see it. So I'm like, all right, take it. We're going, it's going to the trash. She's like, we're going to throw it? I'm like, yeah, we're throwing that shit in the fucking trash. Come on. Let's go. So I made her march out to the fucking dumpster, fire all the shit in the fucking trash, and then we went out to dinner. So, but we used to fight like her all the time about her die. I'm like, you're gonna fucking die. Like, you're gonna fucking die. You're gonna eat yourself to fucking death. And that's just kind of 
how it is. And and it and I've always monitored her, her finances. Like I like like that was the deal. Like sister does front side emotional caretaking stuff. I got the back of the house, and so. We we would see. I'm like, oh look, mom ate um fucking Chinese food three times this week, and fuck. So we would know. I've no, I would know everything. And 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 my sister and I like we're not. We don't keep secrets. Like that's just not how it fucking goes. And so when I would confront my mom about something, she would say, "Your sister's a snitch." I was the family snitch. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if you realize this or not, but whatever goes on, I'm gonna know. And she's going to know. Like, I've told you this a million times. Like, this is how this is going to go down. And finally, I, I think she kind of figured it out. But um, so then, <laughs> so this is, I'm kind of all over the place. But so, so then she gets into, what is the place called where Fred lives? Something, Tempe Gardens or some shit like that? Something, I thought it was Village. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so she's there. It's perfect for her. She has, she has her, her one dog that, 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 uh, I got her 12 years ago as a rescue dog. Now I have that dog because Darren hates that dog, and that was part of the deal. You take mom, I get the chihuahua. Cool. So, so Darren's going to divorce me if yeah, I take the dog. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I got the chihuahua. Um, and He's got to have his line. He does. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> All the other stuff you've been yeah, talking about. Yeah. It's the chihuahua. That's yeah. over the top. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um, so then she has to go back in for another surgery. Um, and what was that? What was that surgery? Her um, carotid was That's what it was. I, yeah, I remember. I remember this. Yeah. So she had to go back in and they basically had to rotor that thing out. Well, strokes again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Terminator comes back from that. No deficits. We get her back home. Well, she ends up going. This is during COVID. Yeah. Um, so she has to go to the occupational therapist. Yeah. She was in a skilled nursing facility, yep. right? Yeah, yep. she was. And just every day, dude, bang, better. Better, 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 better. And like we couldn't see her, which 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 totally sucked. And and uh, we had to do a drive by one time. I remember like, that? It was yeah. fucking oh, so, dude, sad. so depressing. I saw dude. the picture. You yeah, took yeah. Picture. Yep, yeah. yep. And I, I I shared it with you. And then miraculously, she gets better. So cool. We're taking her home. I'm like fucking Terminator. Can't kill the bitch. Like she keeps getting up, man. So we get her home. Um, and uh, the occupational therapists come there, and they're they're testing her. Like they they're watching her be like like roll her trash like the big trash cans, roll them up. She picked up a five gallon fucking ball of water. Oh, she climbed a ladder. Yeah, to she take climbed care a ladder. Of her like all kinds of crazy. Like she's on the fucking counter. Like I'm like, oh my god, dude. So we're like, oh fuck it, Terminator's back. We'll leave her here. Well, um, one night she calls me or you. Well, I went because oh, you went check on. I her, went yeah. to check on her, and there was something off with her, and so I went back that again later that night to make sure that she was okay. And she literally, um, when I got there, within maybe like ten minutes, so she, her back hurt, right? Yeah, she says her back was killing her, and she just passed out and fell on the ground. So she calls me. I'm somewhere, and I I answer the phone. I'm like, hey, call nine one one, get them there. When they get there, call me back, and we'll go from there. So then. That happens. Calls me back. I'm like, all right, send her in because it was she was her kidneys were failing. Yeah, she was in renal failure, and and she wasn't drinking enough water. Everything else, so um, we put her in. Same kind of deal. Like gets better. We, we ship her home. But that's but that's when my sister and I sat down because we we made. I mean, we had a medical power of attorney on her when she yeah. had her first but surgery ten or 12, 12 years ago. Like we're pretty much making like all those um, decisions, and and uh, you know when she's there. Um, with in the community that my brother's living in, you know, before this stuff happens, like uh, she doesn't drive, so I would either pick her up to take her grocery shopping, or Darren would. 
Um, and, and so every other week we're doing that. And matter of fact, I was talking to Cody one time because my mom is kind of like a kid or, like, yeah. you know, at times. And like I'd, I would make her push the card up and down the aisle and stuff like that. And like, can't have that. There's sugar in that. No, can't, can't do that. I'm like, no, mom. I was talking to Cody like at one time when she's going through and I'm like, no, we're not buying a $15 candle. Put that back. And Cody's like, where, where are you? Who are you with? I'm like, that's my mom. And I'm not letting her buy a fifteen dollar candle. <laughs> so, um, and my sister's gangster because, like, I I'm just a sucker. Like, I would never let my mom pay for any groceries, but she had money. She had Social Security come in, and like, and, and we had all that stuff budgeted out and stuff like that. So, and it was good for my sister to do that. But for me, like, I would I would never say buy buy whatever. But my mom would always be like, "Can we go shopping? Can I, I need new clothes? I, I need new shoes." I'm like. Those fucking shoes you have on your feet are good for 10 years for the amount of miles you're putting on those things. Like, you can run those motherfuckers for 10 years. But so she's a little bit like a kid. Um, and like um, my brother's um, significant other at the time or whatever, she would, she would take her to get her haircuts. But we were there all the time. And like, we would just check on her. But this, the last episode, like, if, if my sister wouldn't have showed up to check on her, she'd have been dead. Yeah, and that's when we made the agreement, like, this can't happen. Yeah, I'm like, like no. I'm like, so what are we going to do? I'm like, I'll take her, build the house. Like, it's going to have a mother-in-law suite. And so we talked to my mom. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, for some reason, like, the, like three days before, she goes, honey, is it okay? Because she stayed with me a couple nights. Remember? She did, yeah. and then you brought her to me. Yeah, because she goes, hey, um, um. I want to stay with Andrea. I'm like, all right. I'm did like, that surprise you, Andrea? It did, because that wasn't the plan. <laughs> I remember <laughs> calling him, and it made more sense because my mom had always stayed with me during her recouping and, like, during her rehab. She always stayed at our house, and we've lived in the same house for 21 years. So she was familiar with it, mm-hmm. and she goes, I think I want to stay with you. I said, okay, I'll make the phone call to Brandon. Yeah, that's what it was. Sorry. And I'm like, you fucker, mom's going to stay. <laughs> And he's like, what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was like, because I, I don't want to tell her no or whatever. And that's where it's where, where it's more comfortable. But um, the w- I'm not a religious person. My sister is like, and I don't I don't begrudge anyone for, for believing in whatever they believe in. I believe there's something out there. I don't, I don't know necessarily what it is or whatever. But um, this process has made me think a little bit differently about stuff. Um, primarily this, because my sister and her... Uh, they were able to patch a lot. Of, they were able to patch things up along the way, and it would never happen unless she got sick and made the decision to want to come stay with her. Because one of the things I would always tell my mom, because she was even as as an adult, my mom was mean, not mean, but yeah, I'm yeah, kind of a shithead. Mean. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like to my to my sister. So all the time when I talked to her, I'm like, hey, be nice. I would tell her that all the time. Well, that's why I'm asking why you were surprised that she. She elected to come live with you. Because I would have thought I was the last person on the planet yeah, that right. she would want to. So when she, and it did, and when she told me and all of her reasonings, I'm like, it made more sense. There was more supervision. We had kids. We had all of, she just would have support. Been, yeah. Yeah. She just would have been happy. She was lonely. Because like the kids knew how to check their blood sugar from the times like, you know, she had to stay there before and like they were just dialed in. So when that decision was made, I was like, all right, cool. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, so I got the chihuahua. Totally fine with that. Um, but that, that was the right place for her to go. My sister is, is a thousand times better of a caregiver than I'll, than I'll ever be. Like, and, 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 and Darren is, you know, 10 times better than me 
than than I can ever imagine for, for for stuff like that. And the kids were there, and and they had the support, and they had people to to be able to say they're like, I had Shorty, like you know, it wasn't it it, it was better that way. But um, during that process, my sister um, made all you know dealt with all the doctor stuff. Um, we were always in communication of like stuff like that, and 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 results and this and that and the other and even during that process i think I, I told you chris that they wanted to give her another surgery we're like what for what like the valve like like what's it gonna do well it's gonna prolong her her quality of life um and i'm like eh. i'm like to me it, it really felt like they wanted to do it for the money because I, I i figured it was probably a hundred thousand dollar surgery or something like that and they couldn't give us a, a good answer no and my mom didn't want it and so yeah. i said she's done being your your medicare medicare cash card like She's she's done because she was afraid she would choke again. I go well. There's a possibility that you high could. likelihood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and kind of and we skipped over this, but like along the way, um, my sister would would deal with with all of her doctors and like the one doctor went from you guys are the fucking worst kids ever to you're the best kids ever. What was that Filipino lady, right? It was Dr. Jordan. So my all my mom's doctors were Filipino because I wanted her to be able to keep her language. So she would speak in um, Tagalog and oh, to that's, them. That's yep. pretty And so the female doctor hated me because I wasn't the doting Yeah, no. The doting no, Filipino no. daughter. So and then towards the end she loved me like she had my personal cell phone and she'd call me and just she was the one that actually told me not to do the surgery, and she was the one that said, your mom needs to spend the rest of her days um, with you. Just mm. She says, we're not looking at quantity, we're looking at quality, and she suggested putting her on hospice. Good for so, her. Oh, yeah, I was super happy with her. And that's what um, my sister was able to speak to Kim, right? Kim, yes. Yeah, Kim. Which is Dan's my, wife. Dan's wife, and, and that's that's one of her best friends of forever, and she said, hey, get it early, and my mom was nowhere close to what we thought no. was was kind of at the end at that time. Um, so we got that set up. Uh, my mom had her own room there, and like it, like at my sister's house, and, then, and we were going to actually, we actually drew plans and got permits to expand it, and then we kind of made the call, like, hey, let's not do that, which was the right call now in hindsight, because um, yeah. she'd have died before it happened, and it would have been a big inconvenience for her and everybody else, and, and, um, and my sister was in charge of, from the point that my mom moved in, diet, like feeding, like emotional support, like everything. And, 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 and like I said before, like I would tell my mom, hey, be nice. Like be nice to Andrea. Like I would always say, I'm like, you don't understand what she's doing for you. And I used to, I, I was, I'm the ball buster for sure uh, towards my mom with stuff like that. Cause sometimes she would bitch about, well, Andrea this or Andrea that or whatever. I'm like, boo fucking who. Mm. You have two, three kids that give a shit about you. They're trying to feed you. They do that. I'm like, I feel really bad for you. I'm like, I want to take you on a call or, or, or I'll show up where you can show up with me to a house where there's a, where there's a, like a mom or a dad with no family around and they pissed themselves and laid in the fucking bed for three days before we showed up. I'm like, you could be on that side of it. I'm like, you have no idea what she's doing or what any of us are doing to help you out. I'm like, so be nice, be nice. And as, as as time got short for all of us, their relationship got better. It did. And why do you think that got better? I think for me is I, for me personally, it got better because I let it go. And that my main priority for my mom at the end was that she needed to have dignity, she needed grace, and she needed mercy. And even on the days that I didn't want to give it, <laughs> I'd go out in the yard and scream, and I'd go back in, and I would give it. Because I would say, I had told Darren, I go, she, my mother will never know if I'm angry or if I'm hurt or I'm upset, because that wasn't the plan. That wasn't the deal. 
And I think the hardest thing my, my sister would tell her is, I don't like you right now. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I would say, right now, I don't like you. I'm going to take a time out. And I'm bringing <laughs> in Darren. <laughs> From there. And uh, so, like, again, that, that, that mother-daughter relationship with them, like, it's just different. Like, because I could go in there, and I'm sure my sister like, God damn it, damn, damn you. Like, and I could lay into her and stuff like that, and she would listen or not listen or what, like, whatever else. But she was there, like, I never had to do it. Um, but, like, she's there. I mean, she's there changing her diaper, wiping her ass, because, you know, yep. she, she became incontinent, like, at the time. And shout out to the hospital, hospice people. Like, I'll let my sister tell you how, how amazing they are. Oh, my goodness. So, like, her nurses and whatnot prepared me. Like, they bathed her the day that she died. They came in, and the lady spoke to my mom as if my mom was still alive. Like, she had me put on her favorite music. I was able to put, because my mom was very specific. We were able to talk about everything. So she was very specific, like, she wanted a dress, a specific dress. And I'm like, can you help me put it on her? And, like, little crazy things. Like, she's like, oh, sweetie, we don't pull it over, and we're just going to cut it up the back and put it on her like a robe. I'm like, genius. Um, but just, they are amazing. And like, and they educate you along the whole way. Like, like at the very end when, when, when she was, you know, the last week or two weeks or whatever, like, they're like, you're, what are you doing for pain management for your mom and stuff like that? And they're like, you know, do this, don't do this. Don't listen to that. Like you need to medicate to the level of comfort that you're comfortable with, stuff like that. And so they, they're really there guiding you along the way. And I don't know, because I just watched my sister do it. Like, J- Darren and my sister were the ones doing everything. They were just more like consulting for that stuff. And, hey, if you need something like this better, that better, now it's time to do this, or now it's time to do that. And, like, they're uh, – and, and Jerry and Darren were just amazing through the whole thing. Like, I was there one time when, when she couldn't – it was towards the end where she, where, where she couldn't have a bowel movement and, and they had to do some stuff or whatever. And, and my mom was, was getting ready to tank, and I just, like, you know, grabbed her – put her on the, 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 um, like the cart, you know, to get her back in the room and stuff like that. And I, I mean, that was just middle. I mean, I, I'm a flash in the pan of like what, like, like what they dealt with and like the kids, um, how they dealt with it. Cause they were amazing. Like that house was fucking quiet all the time at the end. Like the kids were just super respectful, like didn't make any noise. And like, I don't know. Like I don't. I don't know how the dynamic of how that stuff worked. Like, what was the conversation you had with the kids? Like, we would do. We call them um, our family meetings, and we would just process. Like, so, and I would forewarn them. So, this is what's going to happen today. These are the things that you might see with Grandma. You have a choice. Well, that we refer to her as Lola. So, they also had the choice. Did you want to be here when Lola passes away? Um, and most of them said no. So we had to develop a plan. Like if Lola, something happens with Lola, they had a code word, it's time. So if I go in the room and say it's time, you grab your shit and you go. And luckily, um, Jamie was there at the time. So I said it's time. And they did. They took off, so they never saw it. Um, My one daughter wanted to stay with me. Um, during the time, but they, we, I just constantly just kept them updated and I would ask them, where are you? What are you comfortable with? So those, we just talked about everything. It was just always open dialogue. And then I think towards, towards the end when like, when, and they're, damn, they're really, really good at like knowing she's down to weeks or she's down to months or something like that. And like, they told us like, Hey, she's down to weeks. So then that's when, you know, everything kind of went, went into, Hey, like we're, I'll be around as much as possible. And this and that and the other and like um 
It was they were they were eerily accurate with how like the timeline of like when she was gonna go. And I, and I talked to you about it well, yeah. and, and stuff like that, and 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 we stayed there as much as possible, and you know we 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 tried to make her comfortable as much as possible, and. We we filled we filled the room with flowers every day and like stuff like that and, and we, we we were trying we were there I was there as much as possible to be present but Darren and Drew were there all the time and when it came to the end we just did like four hour shifts or like whatever yeah. and and we were surprised she made it as long as, as she did um, but when she passed like I can't think of a better way for her to pass because I was holding one hand and my sister was holding her other hand and you know we literally watched her last breaths as, as she went, but she was as comfortable as she could be because of, you know, the medication and all that stuff. And I, I mean, I don't know. I can't think of a better way. Can you? Oh no. So that's what I tell you. I go, my brother lived with us for the last six days that she was alive. Yeah. He pretty much lived there. He could have just, we were thinking about throwing a bed in there for him because you were there so much. But the, um, the nurses were amazing because I would disagree with the doctors and she goes, well, it's your mother. You do what you need for her best interest and for yours. So her primary nurse, unfortunately, had taken had vacation before she passed, and that woman ensured that I knew everything. She saw me on Wednesday. She came and saw me on what Thursday. Lucinda. Lucinda. And she called me on Friday as she was driving home to make sure that I was prepared because she said, your mother is going to pass, and I just need for you to be ultimately ready. You keep her as comfortable as you feel because I was more worried about overdosing her. And she would just constantly say to me, you don't have enough morphine in your <laughs> refrigerator to overdose her. Even with me taking a little every once yeah, in a while. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just joking. So <laughs> once I got over the comfort, like I was super uncomfortable giving her medication. But once I got comfortable with it, because um, I don't even take Tylenol or Motrin. And then they're having me give her morphine. And that is what. But That's no, what helped. Like, like, oh, she was so comfortable and so peaceful. I yep. just, and she went and as like when she went, like. It was calm. And that that was my, that was the point where I take over. Like when she passes, that's when I step up and I start doing like, like our side of it. But shit, it was. I called you, Chris, like shortly after, and and um, we're private. We're a very private family, and uh, I'm a. Uh, sorry. Um, when uh, when she went, we called within thirty minutes. Um, they picked her up. Oh my goodness! Yeah, they said she it would take gone. hours. Yeah, for for um, for that to happen, so it, it was pretty quick. And then I called you and I said, "Hey, man, would can you take care of that bereavement stuff?" And it's not that that um, I don't like the fire department or or like my or like the brotherhood that's there, but we're just private people. And like and like one of the things I asked you was like, just keep it out of the fire department. Like I don't want like the phone calls. I don't want any of that stuff um, coming our way. Um, just because that's how we are. Like those people that are closest to us know us like nobody's business, and like you would know, and Cody would know, and 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 other guys in the fire department would know because I would tell them, like Dave Nunez and like whoever else. But we didn't want it out there, um, and that's kind of how we kept it. Like, and this this is more this this story is about my sister and our like in the grieving process, and our grieving process is a little bit different than everybody else's. We, we don't want to talk about it with, with people outside of our circle. Like, it's, a, it's just not not who we are. That's not how we're built. Um, we're, we're, we're okay talking about it with each other, and, and, like, and we have good days and bad days, and it comes in waves and, 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 and stuff like that. But um, as, as the days passed, and, you know, now you have to figure out death certificates, and, and, and I'm at the funeral home, and 
I'm dealing with 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 all that kind of stuff. Um, she's never far from you. It's never easy, um, and it's never. We'll miss her every day. Absolutely. And that was something that I had told Brandon. Even with our relationship, I said I didn't think that it would be as hard. And I said, but then when I stopped and sat back and thought, she lived with me for the last 15 months. It's odd. Like, I was so routine. I would go into a room, open her blinds, um, open her door. And I still do it, like, to this day because it's just an automatic habit. And I think I had I told the kids yesterday, I go, I was having like a yucky day yesterday. And I had said, I think part of it's just because I want to ask her questions. But then I was like, shit, she's not here. I can't ask her. Like, who am I going to ask now? Because a lot about her culture. Yeah. Because yeah. the kids ask me a lot about her culture. And I, and I think the the point to that is is like when you have the time ask those questions try and you know try to figure out as much as possible with your family that you can because you just don't know when they're going to be here when they're not going to be here we're fortunate enough to know it was coming so we were able to actually spend spend the time that we we could with her um and and that made for me kind of a huge difference oh huge in the sense that my mom and i talked about death we would joke like my mom got so comfortable with her passing i would say something to her she goes why is it gonna matter i'm gonna be dead anyways i'm like <laughs> okay morbid <laughs> maybe that's where we get it from so that helped me and that she was able to plan her death so i followed everything that she asked for and that was what i said my mom kept her end of the deal and i'm gonna keep mine to the t- to the t yeah, and it's it's kind of weird too. Um, like since I was handling kind of the backside of it, like I had to close a couple of shared accounts that we had and stuff like that. And 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 I don't think people, some people that haven't gone through it, I don't think they necessarily get it. Um, but I was closing one of the bank accounts, and um, they wanted to talk to me about some other financial stuff. Yeah, it was it was I won't say who 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 it was or like who the bank was or whatever. Um, because they ended up being a, um, um, they're like, oh, you're already set up to be a preferred client. This time. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hey, now's not the time. And they're like, oh, you know, just give me 30 seconds. So I literally had to tell the one dude, I'm like, look, here's the fucking deal. I'm like, my mom just died. This is not the fucking time to have this conversation. And then he kind of shut up. But I, like, I don't want to have to get to that point to where that, um, you know, to be able to tell people stuff like that. And in the funeral home, they were super awesome. I was, I was ready to go in there to get sold like a pitch of, oh, you need this and like you need that. And, and luckily the right person was there for me um, because she's ex-cop, ex-Air Force person. And she kind of, one of the first questions out of, out of her mouth was, are you police or fire? I'm like, I'm fire. And she could kind of pick up on that. So I'm like, and we're not real fancy people. We weren't going to have, you know, a funeral. We're just going to keep it to ourselves. And she kind of helped along that process. And, and uh, she, she goes, um, can I tell you, this is the fastest I've ever been through this. Because <laughs> she would ask me questions like, what about this? I'm like, I don't know. We don't care. Like, like this is what we want. So um, that, that process got, got handled quickly. And, and I don't know. My sister said when she had to do it, she spent all day down there with Troy. Well, only because I got suckered into a lot. Like, I made sure that his casket was um, water or airproof for 10 years. So I paid for a very high-end casket, and then I always think, well, later, now I'm like, who goes back and does the safety or the quality checks on yeah. those to ensure that yeah. there's no... So I just think that 
Yeah, I spent it way too much on his funeral. And, like, they're the right people. My mom had specific instructions of, hey, like, I want your brother to get this amount of ashes and you to get this amount of ashes and Andrea to be able to keep the ashes. Yeah, like like I have that. my mom on a shelf. Yeah. So, like, and then we were supposed to spread, I was supposed to spread her in the ocean and then we were supposed to spread her in the mountains and, like, well, the Catholic religion doesn't let you split up the ashes, so we had talked about, well, how are we going to divvy them up? I'm like, and my sister's like, well, are you going to measure them? I'm like, no, I'm not going to measure them out. I'm like, if she ends up being a fucking clownfish instead of a sea lion, because I didn't get enough in the ocean, so be it. Like, well, she can't be a squirrel. <laughs> yeah. And that's where our, our, our morbid sense of humor comes through, and I think that's when Erica said, you guys have to stop. Yeah. Like, you can't, like, you can't do that anymore. Um, and for me, like... I don't know how my sister's kind of going through the process, but for me, like, my mom never got to see me wrestle in college or in high school or, like, never got to see me do pajama wrestling or stuff like that. And there was a tournament that I had signed up for. Um, it was, it was, and I was, my mom died, I think it was about seven days later. Well, I made the decision to stay in the fight um, and then go after four golds, which is one of the hardest things you can do in IBJJF is to win. Um, two different classes as far as like uh, disciplines and then in your in your age and and weight division then go up into the absolute and fight everybody um, and I had told um, some of the guys at the gym you know me being a private person I told my coach and I told like my main training partner Jake and stuff like that and I knew I was going to need help that day um, just because I'd never walked into like any type of sporting event with that kind of stuff over me so I kind of use that as motivation, like, hey, this is this is for mom. Like, like this is this is gonna be your my tribute to her because now she can see. So I asked Jake and Alex, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna need you guys to keep my head in the fucking game that day. Cause it's gonna be a long day. It's gonna be eight, nine, ten, eleven matches, whatever they end up coming up with. Um, so I'm just gonna need you guys there. Like, keep me fucking straight um to that whole thing. So show up. Um, that day I make sure I'm down to weight way before I like usually am. Um, I'm getting ready to have my first fight. So it's my first gi match in my division and my coach, love him to death. Alex Sandoval, great coach, just a great man. Um, he grabs me and he's like, Hey, I know what today's about. I'm just like, I'm, th I didn't say it to him. And I'm like, not now, not now. This is not the time. Like, no mom talk right now. No mom talk right now. I'm like, we can talk about, like, all the mom shit when it's over. Um, so get out there. And I, I, I usually listen to a certain playlist when I'm there. that kind of gets me there. And I just couldn't, I couldn't listen to that playlist. I was too amped up. There's too much shit going on. So I put on, like, the most stupid, like, R&B song you could ever fucking listen to to get warmed up to uh, fight other men in pajamas um and that song played probably 120 times that day because uh, it because because when i wasn't there um i mean w when i was warming up for it, that's the only thing that kind of kept me kept me kind of normal um jake did alex did my old rescue partner mike smith was fighting that day so mike and i got to kind of share that that stuff together and mike mike was one of the firemen that knew that my mom had passed along with Mike Robinson and Clint, Clint Gower and those guys. So I remember walking out to my first match, and um, a lot of my teammates didn't know what was going on, but there was my demeanor was different that day. And like, and, and a couple of them made mention, they're like, dude, I, like when we saw you, like we knew something was going on, but we didn't know what, but we knew that day you were going to be untouchable. So right off the bat, submit a guy, next match, submit a guy, move, move, move into the open gi, absolute, make it to the finals from there, 
end up beating the living crap out of like a 270, 280 pound guy. Like literally, he was a big rascal. Yeah, I literally punished the shit out of that dude. And at one point, I split his forehead just because of of kind of the like the stuff we were in. He was laying on the mat as they were doing stuff that, and I was. There's anger uh, in me, not towards him, but towards, hey, I have, I'm trying to fulfill something. And I almost walked up and said, don't you fucking quit. Because I, I saw it in his eyes. And I, I didn't want him to quit because that means I didn't, that I didn't get to fully finish that, that, that out. Um, so finish that. And after every, after every final, I just look up and I just kind of say something to her. And I almost cried like fucking 20 times that day, man. But I, but I was able to keep together um, between the gi matches and my no gi matches. Um, I had to make weight at a different weight. So and I figured I'd be close just because uh, of like how the IBGF sets their stuff up. So I jump on the scale. I'm like, God damn it. I'm a fucking pound and a half over to, 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 to go into my gi matches. Throw all my shit on, go outside, start running sprints just to break a sweat. And I have 30 minutes just to cut that pound and a half, which isn't a, like a big deal. But I'm talking to her the whole way. Like, God damn it. You're not going to make this easy like on me today. Um, so I don't know if it was the next match or not. I come back in, jump on the scale, make weight, go to my first Nogi match. And all of a sudden, like I'm looking up and a dub flies into the, into the venue. And it's just it's circling my mat. I'm like, God damn it. I'm like, no, not right now. Not right now. Not right now. So I kind of watch it, and it just sits up on a perch, go out there. And that, there was a, I bumped down an age class because there, was, there wasn't enough guys in my class to make it, uh, you know, worth, like, like worth my time to fight. So I come down. There you know, and, and only ends up being one guy in, in that class in my division. End up, I finish him in 40 seconds. Um, and then all, all I have left is 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 the Nogi final. And the kid in the lower age class had just come off a double gold at nationals. Little kind of little cocky. Like I watch him in the semifinal match, take a guy down and choke him in ten seconds. And as as I'm walking out on to the mat, I just see it in his face. Like I'm gonna I'm about to walk through you. Um, and like Jake and Alex have been tremendous that day. And in Alicia too. Um, at, like at one point. I walked off the mat and I'm like, I'm a fucking mess. She's like, why are you a mess? And she just, she kind of forgot what I was going through. Cause she's like, and she, afterwards she apologized. She's like, I fucking forgot like what you were trying to do today. She's like, you, you've kept it together so well. I just didn't even fucking like register. So I walk out there and, 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 um, I had a little bit of doubt, um, in that final match. I'm like younger kid, pretty, pretty athletic. You know, like, like, like I watched him. I'm like, not today though. Um, so I go out there and he tries something. I'm usually not a dick, like on the mat, but he tries something that he did to that other guy to choke him, and I just kind of I, I defend it, shug him off, and I just I look at him, just kind of shake my head, like not today. Comes you know it's restarts again. I end up sending the kid across the mat and take him down, like pretty good throw, and it wasn't close. Like kind of kind of the end of the day. Um, walk off the mat, keep it together. I take my fourth gold, stuff like that, and then I end up um, saying thanks to everybody. And this is this is why, like, I kind of love my coach, is because I'm getting, re- I'm I'm changing, and I'm and I'm getting ready to go see everybody. And he calls me. He's like, "Hey, what's going on?" I'm like, uh, "Nothing." I'm like, "Oh, like I'm just in my truck." He's like, "Are you okay to drive?" I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, "I'm okay." I'm like, "I'm like I'm just having a moment right now. I'm talking to her." I'm like, "But I'm good." He's like, "If you need me to drive you." just say like 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 i'll come back and get you i'm like no dude i'm good i'm like i'm like it's it's been a big day um i was able to pull off what i said i was gonna pull off 
Um, and it was just kind of one of those things where I just kind of let it go because I, I hadn't let it go all day or even kind of before that. Um, but that was kind of a good, a good 10, 15 minute, just kind of let it go, talk to her and then kind of leave it behind. And I thought um, it was kind of going to end after that. Um, but in the last, well, it'll be three weeks tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It just kind of comes in waves. So you think about her, think about something. And then even like even today, I'm like, ah, I'll be fine during the podcast. Like I can keep it together. But even today, it's just, it's just those memories that, that they pop up and they come. But what, what we had talked about um, this podcast for us is I think it's going to be good for us um, to kind of talk through it out loud and kind of get through some of this stuff. And uh, I don't know if that's going to be true until I, I wake up tomorrow. <laughs> so, But um, I think it's just kind of important for us to kind of tell my, my sister's story tell my mom's story, kind of tell what we've been through to help other people. Is that kind of what, kind of what you were thinking? I really wasn't thinking. No, not at all. <laughs> <In here. laughs> no. no, I just think for me, I just want, I just want people to know it doesn't even matter about the relationships that you have with your parents. Cause it isn't, I think the hardest thing for me um, was when I watched them take her out because I had thought, that's it. That's how you leave this world. And that was my defining moment. It, isn't, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter how you start. It's just somewhere along the lines you got to figure out where you went wrong, and you're going to fix it. And fixing it for like relationships with family isn't going to be the same for everybody, but you need to fix it to what it, what it means to you and your family member. It's for me. It, is it fixing it, or is it just moving past it's a little it of both, both yeah. because I do think you need to like kind of wrestle and fix with whatever you're fixated on and you just need to let go of whatever your perception or you, your believed outcome was going to be and just love it. And I think that was what for me at the end with mom is that there I just I wanted just everything to be peaceful because that was her biggest fear. Because mm -hmm. that was the one thing she said. She's like, I don't want to feel any pain. And she was terrified of drowning because that's yeah. what heart failure does. You mm. drown. Like, it was weird, though. I didn't, I don't, like, she didn't end up, like, she, she got a little bit of fluid, and there was times where there was shit coming out of her mouth, and we just kept cleaning it out of her mouth, cleaning out of her mouth. But at the end, it was dry and wasn't, like, she just kind of took her last breaths and, you know, opened her eyes one last time. And, you know, like, we've seen it before. It, it's different um, seeing it with patients. But, you know, with your family member, it's it's um, it's it's definitely different. I think for me, I'm more emotional now that she's gone than I was when it was kind of all like like all going down for for, um, you know, towards towards the end of it. And I think it's a little clinical for us when we're watching it happen. Yeah. It's yeah. afterward. It's Absolutely. just the harder part of it. And like I was able to kind of shift gears when she did go. I'm like, all right, this is my job. I like I got the backside of this, like, you know. I'm not like be a professional, but hey, like, you, you know, this is, this is, this is your turn. Like, this is your turn. Like, you know, Andrea did all that other stuff. Darren did all that other stuff. And now it, it's time for you to kind of finish that stuff because uh, that, that was the deal. But how do you think, um, um, like, when do you think you kind of let it go or like patch the stuff up with mom and just kind of, was it like soon after or like, or like in the last weeks or because, because it was cool to see my mom. Typically, she would want to see me more, 
And it was super cool to see her want my sister more. Dre Ann, Dre Ann, Dre Ann, because that's what my mom calls her, yeah. Dre Ann. That's what I tease her. I go, could you have given us any more? Like, we have farm names. <laughs> 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 I go, Brandon, Sean, Dre yeah. Ann. I go. Um, no, I think it was probably the last two months. Um, and I think for me, I let it go when mom had said, like, that she loved me and that she thanked me. And I think when she said I was a good mom. Hmm. And I think... Pretty critical yeah. things to hear from your mom, right? So, and Darren, like, just rock star to the fucking end. Like, I, I don't even think I ever saw him break down. I, th- I think he told me kind of later. I did. I felt like such an asshole because he was super solemn, and I had asked him, "I go, are you okay?" And he had said, "No, I'm, I'm kind of," and I go. I felt so selfish because I'm like, I didn't really stop and think about what this would do to you. Yeah. Mm. And, and he was like, said he, Darren has been right there, a caregiver for my mom for shit. I don't know. Six, seven years. Mm -hmm. right? Always like always there. If if Dre couldn't be there, Darren, Darren would be there. (laughs) I didn't have the strength. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Cause Darren's like, yeah, he's he's not gonna get emotional or whatever, and and uh, yeah, he's just not. So so those days that my sister didn't want to kind of deal with, with 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 the attitude my mom might might have thrown her way, just you know he kind of went over there. But um, and like I think today too is a little bit for our extended family, because um, we didn't we didn't kind of tell them anything or like our kind of deal was, and we're not I don't know maybe we're weird, but we're like hey you didn't fucking come see her before now. Sorry, like you had your fucking chance um, along that way. And I guess I should kind of touch on some of the stuff. Like towards the end, my mom was talking to, to deceased um, members of our family. She told us one thing, and I won't say it publicly, but it fucking took, it, it threw my sister and I for a loop. Um, she, she had talked to my aunt that had just passed before, and she said some stuff that no, nobody, nobody knows. Nobody knows. And, 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 and my mom told us that what she had said and I was like what the fuck like so there's something out there that's on the backside um but I don't know what it is or like how they get there or like like when that door opens up for 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 you to have those those conversations so it's kind of it was good for me to just to kind of know and hear that like maybe it there there is another place out there for us all like 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 I'll show up to if I end up in hell I'm gonna have a lot of buddies with me um so (laughs) Well, I'm not going to hell. Yeah, just, so. but that we'll be all right. <laughs> we'll make it. Yeah. I'm sure Andy would be on the devil's court or something. So, <laughs> so but, but yeah, uh, when she had that conversation, I was like, you need to run in whatever direction she's in because. Great. It's like one of the nicest people yeah, ever. She's in heaven. So yeah. run, go, go towards the light because she's the one I'd want to follow. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's just, it's a weird process. Um, when it when all that stuff's going down it's like it just you don't it's surreal and there's answer there's questions that that get answered and there's things that don't get answered and just it's just kind of a kind of a, a very very thing weird thing and for me i've always lived my life to the fullest and and stuff like that but but it kind of put a put put it even for, further front forward in my mind like life is short like don't wait don't hesitate like when you have the opportunity to do something, do it. When you have the opportunity to thank somebody or, you know, tell them that you love them, like, don't fucking wait because 
it can be gone quickly um, and just like you know those kinds of things but I don't know what else you got that's it just don't be an asshole yeah then that's there's prayer <laughs> cards <laughs> there was so <laughs> me not being religious and me getting stuck at, at the Catholic funeral <laughs> to, to plan all that stuff the lady's like well do you want prayer cards or anything and I'm like eh, no we're good and, and she's like well I'm like Maybe we can hand those out to like the family members that want it because we do have some r- religious family members. She's like, well, like, what's her favorite like prayer? I'm like, oh, like you know, Hail Mary is probably her favorite, and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, she's like, well, why don't you just look through the book? I'm like, ah, fuck. And she's like, what about this one? I was like, that's perfect because basically it's a prayer that says, don't be an asshole. <laughs> but it's about ten or fifteen lines. I should have brought it, so I, so so. I could have read it off. I had the kids read it, so I said, "Every time you guys are being assholes, you're going to read the card as your consequence." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the "Don't be an asshole" prayer uh, for Lola. <laughs> the kind of we uh, sent out. We'll put it up on social media when we put this. Yeah, up. yeah. Actually, that's that's actually a great idea. But uh, I don't know. That's all I got. I feel like a sh- diarrhea of the mouth for a little bit, on, like like on that stuff. Um, I'm just Rolodexing. Oh, my God. Am I going to have to say sorry to my kids and my husband if I hear, like, did mom say anything bad? Absolutely. No. I, don't, I don't think you did. I'm, 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 I'm a fly on the wall, but I don't think you did. Yeah, I don't think you did either. But, Am I uh, going to make it to my 31st? Yeah. <laughs> for sure. But um, that's it, guys. I think that's all I got for today. Thanks for thanks for hanging in there. And, Jerry, I love you. Like, oh, thank you, and I love you. So I don't, I don't know if it was helpful for you, but if there's anything else you want to say, kind of close it out. No, I love you, Darren. Like, thanks for, thanks for being like the brother-in-law that, you know, that that uh, that you are and continue to be. And you know, the kids, thank you for uh, for being there for Lola and making sure the house was quiet. And don't worry, the the gaming TV showing up because that was the deal. I, I um, they were so good that that they we, we turned Lola's. Uh, room into now uh, the media room media um because i have to change because i call it the playroom and my daughter-in-law is like please change the name oh so <laughs> that's what that is and and i, I told them that I, I would get them hi lola um um uh a tv for for gaming stuff for being so good and this is there's a puppy in here right now that we just picked up this weekend um when mexico barb's dog rescue uh, i posted some of the stuff on on our on our page but we got a puppy, five-month-old puppy, and we named her Lola um, in honor of my mom. So she's running around the, our extremely large podcast studio right now. Um, the uh, immense studio. <laughs> yeah, it's gigantic. Also brought a German Shepherd back for uh, my sister <laughs> that's causing a ruckus. Yes, he's not my favorite right now. I'm sorry, Darren. Mm, do you want to say anything to Erica or Bryce or Caleb? Or anything Other or than I love them to the moon and back. Okay. So, Chris, you got anything? You want to close this out? Cause yeah. I'm fucking done. I'm yeah. Emotional dump for me. Well, thank thanks for letting me sit here and and be a part of this. Cause that's that's pretty special to to listen and um, did everything I could to just get out of the way. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you very much. You can you you can find us at all the good places where you listen to podcasts, and uh, and hopefully these types of conversations will 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 help other people through it. I don't think there's a right way or wrong way to go through any of this stuff. So. I'm appreciative to be here. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. All right. See you guys. Thank you.
Today's episode is brought to you by Reef Builders, winner of Best of Hows, five years running. Reef Builders is a Tempe, Arizona-based, full-service design-build construction company. What's a design-build company? It means you deal with one company for everything. Reef Builders is able to take your vision and bring it to life by drawing your plans, producing photorealistic, high-resolution 3D renderings of your kitchen, baths, and more, helping you design and pick your finishes, and finally, executing that vision. With their years of building experience and a superior client experience, using tools such as online project management software through their client portal that allows you to see your renovation in real time. Whether you're in town, on vacation, or living in another state, you have access to job progress photos, your build schedule, financials, and much more anywhere in the world. So if you're looking for a complete bath or kitchen renovation, a complete home renovation, a custom home designed and built, or a boutique commercial project built out, Reef Builders can deliver it. Reef Builders. Your vision, their experience delivered.